2: Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to another episode of the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast, brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network. Today, we will be sharing with you a very special list of short stories from 1993's Nightmares and Dreamscapes. That's right. If you turned into our previous Marescapes app, you'll know we all voted on our favorite stories, 1 through 24, and we covered the bottom half and now have 12 stories left collectively these have been dubbed the top 12 and speaking on the merits of those tales today we have what i consider a top four hosts of this podcast which i'm sure all the other hosts would disagree i'm Mackenzie, the whole mess gerber constant contributor to this podcast as well as halloweenies and i'm gonna send it over to aisha
3: this is Aisha, ready for that rainy season here <laughs> in Chicago, um, and I'll pass this over to Dan.
0: Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is really fluid. There's no, there's, you know, I was trying to do an alliteration, but um, I'm not, am not seeing any. I'm, not, I'm sure there's a character I can think of, but I'm just gonna say, uh, Dan Popsy Caffrey. <laughs> because have
1: done. you could have done home delivery <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i guess you're right well i'm, I'm popsy I'm,
2: I'm i'm popsy boy so. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm popsy.
0: <laughs> I'm, SV, I'm popsy i demand it
2: <laughs> and uh, who else do we have
1: it's it's mel it's <laughs> mel in iowa city i was the moving finger last time um and there really aren't any M. i guess i'll be mumny's last case <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I'm excited to have everybody back on this, and uh, I guess we're just gonna we're gonna jump into this here. Yeah, people so know what's up. I I just let them know.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying we don't have to do an intro again because because they know the deal. They know they know the drill. I know, they I they know. were here. We don't have
2: to go into look. You know, if you want facts, if you want the cold hard facts on King <laughs> and why he wrote this, go back and listen to the other episode. You know, why are you jumping into the top twelve? You got to listen to the worst. Yeah, we know, really get into you get it to the best.
1: And you right? know, we made up, and now we're back to be a little bit unless you're tighter. like me
0: and you like to go backwards and start with the best and then go the worst so yeah we should if they're listening to this one yeah we should and you haven't listened to the other one just just know that it got it got heated last time and mm. i don't know if it the podcast will they get yeah up i think the craziest one
4: is
2: I. <laughs> I think the craziest one we're gonna start with here is uh because I had it so far down on my list. It's number twelve, Omni's last case.
0: Is it Omni or Umni? Do you guys say I'm yeah, gonna say Umni. am I saying that right? I said <laughs> Omni I said Omni. Um... Yeah, um... Because... uh
2: now uh does anyone want to defend this story? Yeah. I had this story at number twenty for me. <laughs> I did not like this story. I now let me let me just say really quickly off the top I don't I think I just didn't really love it because of the idea of it being about another writer writing a character into existence or write, you know it was like it was like all right we've had secret window we've had dark half we've like i was just kind of over these types of stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and, and I'll tell you what i didn't like that lead character he's a real monster i like no just didn't care about him um but it, did anyone love this story i'm assuming someone did because it it was it was it's at number 12
0: I actually had it at number twelve. Um, I mean, I thought it was a serviceable story, but I, I agree with you, Mac, in that it really is relying on a gimmick that King has done several other times before. And for me, it never really transcends that. That being said, like I thought, it was uh, I thought it was like an okay piece of hard-boiled noir with a little twist at the end. So yeah, it was, it was very middle of the road for me. Wait, yeah, so someone had to have loved it, well,
1: right? I, I had it at 17, so I think we are we'll have
0: to say show <laughs> for last. But I'm pretty
1: sure I had it, like, at number
3: 12 or something. Okay, it
1: probably just averaged out. Uh,
3: it wasn't that high on my list of, like, actual liking anything. It was just more, I think I liked it a bit more because of the fact that I hated Omni's um, character so much that I thought King did a good job of, like... I don't know if this was his intention, but it made me, like, not feel bad when his life got switched around. I don't know if I should be doing that (laughs) right now, but... uh, And, I don't know, there were parts where, like, Candy Kane, when he talks about how, like, there was nothing wrong with a little slap and tickle, but then there was that voice in his head that was like, you know that was a... that's a fairy tale that you like to tell yourself. So there were little parts that, like, I don't know. I don't know if King was when did he write this? Is it was he like on anything at this point in
1: time? <laughs> I guess I we don't know, know.
2: I have no clue. I I usually write this stuff down, but I, for this, no, story I mean, there's tougher. nothing. There's nothing no, in his notes been, about it. Just he that he, he wanted been sober to. By this point, he
1: wanted to do a noir. He wanted. Yeah.
3: I think I think it was e- interesting too. Again, like I read it after I listened to the uh, the audio version first, and they had I think Robert B. Parker, who's also a crime uh, detective like novelist and his voice like goes really well into that like noir like smoky like i felt like i mm. was there and so maybe that's why i got into the story when i first heard it um it still had its issues but it wasn't as bad as some of the other ones that i griped about in the other
0: so it had it had that kind of no. like ah there I was see on the on the yeah corner, it's yeah. so <laughs>
1: interesting that like this one and and sorry right number that we discussed last time like I can imagine them benefiting so hugely from being listened to mm-hmm. I I you know I just I the same mm-hmm. for me is that like this is not only a thing that King has done over and over again but a thing that like writers do and like I just it didn't transcend the gimmick for me as well but I do agree with Aisha that like when it starts to sort of puncture the noir tropes in a way that acknowledges how kind of gross they can be especially with his secretary and um, like that was a little pleasurable Um, and it's it's always kind of fun to see a character's world like literally kind of fall apart around him there's Um, like a
3: chapter that's called Interview with God and I just kind of like that ends that whole scene where like Omni comes face to face with I think it's Landing is the name of the author that's created his world and I, I think also you guys are at, I'm at a disadvantage to you all because you've read most of his, like pretty much his whole lexicon and I've not read everything so for me it's not a tired motif so that might also be why like my bias went a little bit differently and to to correct my earlier mention I actually had it a lot higher than I realized it was like number five.
2: Oh, wow ah uh, uh,
0: well uh, so I, that's one mystery say... that's solved <laughs> this.
3: I didn't win the whatever prize he talked about constantly (laughs) (laughs)
2: for nothing. We did talk about how a lot of these stories are kind of middling. So, and this is coming in right in the dead middle at 12. So uh, I think, you know, uh, that's, that's cool. I mean, that's a really good take Asia, because I, I didn't really think about that. You know, like we have read a lot of King. I haven't read, you know, I've only read up until this point, you know, what Kings put out there, except for the dark tower series. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, if you, I think if you're just coming at it from a totally fresh perspective, it can be a really gripping, interesting story. And I do think I do agree with you in the sense that he is so bad that when you realize his life's being stolen from him, it, it does kind of make it more of like, a, oh, I'm interested in seeing what, what now what he has to go through. Uh, so I just didn't, I wasn't looking at it like that, but I, I, think I like that take. Uh, I do think it's, it's interesting though. They mention um, the. Uh, everyone on earth has a double and i kind of like that little twinners Mm. dark half kind of thing going on uh talisman-esque uh king's dominion uh mention
1: Mm. it's also just funny because it, it he casts the world of the noir as a sort of paradise when in fact it's this gritty dark genre but it is true that like no one in the world of a Chandler noir, like has shingles, right? Like that's what he has to deal with when he becomes <laughs> a real person. It's like an. In, I guess it is interesting to me to to think about how different genres could be their own types of uncorrupted edens, including the ones that are like about crime and like um, have their own problematic tropes, and it it is still a made up fairy tale. China Mayville says that. Yeah. Uh, fantasy and noir are much closer together than than people realize, and I think I agree with him.
0: Chai Chai Melville's the guy who wrote King Rat, right? Is that the the one book?
1: I don't know about that (sighs) one. He wrote Perdido Street Station and The City and the City, um, Hmm. and some
0: other stuff. It's possible that he also wrote King Rat. Carry On? Do you do Carry On? I can't remember. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. I was gonna ask you, you, do you consider yourself like a a crime fiction uh, fan, Mel?
1: No, I don't. I'm not... Hmm. I'm not well versed in noir or mystery. I'm, I'm very well versed in the Thomas Harris "Silence of the Lamb series, <laughs> yeah. but that's that's pretty much it. As am I.
0: We're, we're not we're not going to get uh, uh, Mel Castle's uh, uh, Hodges trilogy um, in, in the future or something like that.
1: And never say never.
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that Hodges trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but like your her version of Hodges, whoever whoever that would be.
1: I think writing mystery is so hard. Like yeah. hats off to the mystery writers out there. Um, you have to know so much and then you have to like make it compelling from a plot perspective. And that's very it, intimidating. It
3: is because when I think about me, when I'm like reading those kinds of stories, like I'm already like guessing and I'm like, it's the it's the dad who did it or it's this right. person who did it. So if you can like trick me, that's that's really good because I'm usually like I already figured it out in the first like few pages
2: that's 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 pretty special because I I can never figure these things out and I'm never looking at it like that. I wish I, I was. I a lot of
0: crime and horror <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> if if I'm watching no, would you
2: would you Scooby Doo? I can figure it out
0: usually who the Scooby <laughs> the <genre> <laughs> yeah, Scooby
2: Doo. Mel, would you would you put uh Randall as the lead character of that story?
1: Of which story? <laughs>
2: Uh, of your trilogy of your noir trilogy
1: <laughs> why would i put randall as the main character
2: i just think he'd make for a good you know detective
1: did he tell you to say this <laughs> <laughs> no not at all i just I, me I, I just like
2: picking on randall when he's not here because it creates fun banter when i'm on an episode with him <laughs> i mean
1: randall is you know context tree randall's a great name for a detective so if i'm not doing it somebody should
2: yeah, yeah, that's very true. Well, Valentine all right. Randall well, for well your show. I
1: love it. Most of that chatter was not about the story, which is not even a real noir uh, story. Like, hey, you know,
2: we're at number, we're still, at, we're at number twelve here, so uh, it's going to be uh, slim Pickens for a little bit. Uh, but uh, coming in now at uh, number eleven is the house on Maple Street. Now, there's a little backstory with this uh, because in 1984, a picture book was published called The Mysteries of Harris Burdick, and it was by Chris Van Alsberg, who you all might remember from mm-hmm. books such as Jumanji yes. and uh, The Polar Express. Also, and Zathura. The, um, yeah, Zathura in The Garden of Abdul Ghazazi, which I think is an underrated one. Uh, and it was basically a collection of short, uh, or, or not a collection of short stories, a collection of pictures. There were, uh, I think, 14 pictures uh, associated with stories that this you know, elusive Harris Burdick that disappeared had written, but the only the pictures remained and they each had a caption. Uh, and I think a lot of writers uh, around the world have been influenced by this and uh, to, to basically take their, take that picture and then write a story about it. And King was one of them. And so The House on Maple Street uh, is actually in the edition of the book that I have, the pictures in there. Uh, Mine I don't know too. If you guys have that. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, is really work. cool. It's basically, it's basically the house on Maple Street taking off as if it was, you know, a rocket. And also in the, um, I actually have the Harris Burdick book because uh, I always loved those pictures growing up. And the uh, caption for this says it was a perfect liftoff nice but that's not in the book so that's just a little extra for you i have to say um, I, I
0: didn't I, know that about about the book until afterwards until i read the notes on it and i was so confused about why the book only had one picture in it I was like this feels so, <laughs> me too. Like, this feels oh, so mac- lazy to me yeah.
1: mac the line it was a perfect liftoff is in the story for me it's on page 535 oh is it yeah
2: oh i mean i guess it, it, it's not in the it's not like a caption of the picture you know what i mean like in here
1: Oh, sure. Like the caption isn't matched. with the picture yeah, But the yeah. line but is a the, in caption the
2: story. Is, It's worked into the book. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, I think uh, I, I remember when I f- when I because I, w- I was introduced to the Mysteries of Harris Burdick when I was like in fifth grade. And I think I wrote a story about the one that's actually the cover picture of like the three, the four people on like the, the little train contraption going into the mist. Uh, there's a castle in the distance. I wrote a story in like fifth grade about it. If I find it, I'll post it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I knew of the House of Maple Street before, you know, being introduced to King. But I remember when Nightmares and came out, my brother mentioned that that story was actually in the Stephen King book. And that was like a big deal. And I was like really interested in reading it. And I didn't read it until, you know, so many weeks ago (laughs) um but i I like this one I, i i actually had this um further up i i had it at like number seven for me um but again i think it was kind of a mixed bag of having such a weird connection with it from a different standpoint um but uh i also like to think that the house was taking off to um, go back home to his homeland, the Tommyknockers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anything, the Tommyknockers is the to name of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I had this. This was right. Um, this was spot on for me. Number eleven for me. Number eleven on our overall rankings. I, oh, nice. I this wrote is number like number nineteen
3: for me.
1: <laughs> I thought it was fully, <laughs> fully dumb, but like not, not overtly like bothersome to me. At least the party guests know that Daddy Lou sucks. Like that was like <laughs> the one. The one saving grace of like K- King writing another cliched abusive character was like at least these party guests are like, dude, you're a fucking asshole. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Otherwise, dumb Twilight Zone episode. I like the concept of metal growing inside the house, but it was written in in that folksy way that that annoys me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had this at number fourteen, um, and I and it's funny because a lot of these stories that we're gonna get to later on also rely on one gimmick, but I guess it's just a gimmick that I like a little bit better. This, to Sorry. me, especially with The Abusive Father, felt kind of like a, a rip-off of Radio Flyer a little bit. I can't remember if Radio Flyer came out before that. I think it did, yeah, because that's like from the 80s. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's funny to me that this is based on a picture, because to me, the picture is almost all you need to know about this story, right? Like, the characters aren't, <laughs> they're not memorable enough to me to really... To, to really merit all this text with it. I mean, it, once again, nothing terrible about this story, but I think it really just relies on, okay, yeah, abusive, uh, uh, well, he's their stepfather, right? Abuse, abusive stepfather. Yeah, yeah. Um, kids escaping, house taking off, bada bing, bada boom, and that's kind of it. So for me, it's like, Looking at the picture store sums up everything that works about the story. So yeah, that's why it was. It that was, was the original
1: so caption. Dan was house
0: taking off, bada bing,
2: bada boom. Oh, you can
0: see the white arrow there. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I see we get a gangster from Dolan's catalog. bada Oh, it's got a space <laughs> a oh. movie. Oh. <laughs>
2: Uh, Aisha, did, you said you had this at 19, so you was not one a big fan of this one?
3: Yeah, I think it's just because for me it wasn't very memorable. I think that's what Mel said as well. Because, mm. uh, a- again, it was pretty much, I figured out where we were going. It was interesting how the house was kind of mutating and growing. But outside of that, I was just kind of like, all right, let's get to the uh, part where you take off into space. It was like, are you guys going or are you sending him? That's all I need to find out. Um, so
2: i wanted to ask you do you think that if the picture wasn't in the book that you would have been more interested in like what's going to happen because the picture kind of gives everything away right out the gate
3: um so i had to download the book so i didn't have any paperback book oh, I was reading it. interesting. Uh, yeah so i had no picture so that wasn't even huh. in there it was just kind of like uh, it just it just didn't interest me it it reminded me a lot of books maybe when i was younger that i that i've been into like those like little short story uh sci-fi like fantasy books that you would read uh but yeah. it just kind of didn't hold my attention very well and I, the abusive scene with the father it was like okay so i have a reason why now that we're sending him to space and I kind of just felt kind of cheated by the whole situation at the party where nobody did anything to stop him, but then of course I have to remember the time and I guess what that's what King was going for that everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, he's an asshole, but that's all right. We're just going to keep partying."
2: So Was anyone um was anyone disturbed? that Lou's favorite afternoon snack was a glass of milk and a ketchup sandwich.
0: Yes, oh. Uh, yeah, what was that? Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send him to space. Disgusting. Put that
1: man in space. How
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did ke- he discover that snack? <laughs> the milk oh, is bong not bong. A, the milk is not a big, of him oh, give me the sandwich. <laughs> the, the milk would not be as bad, if not for the ketchup sandwich, like milk on <laughs> its own really? is not that bad. There, there's that movie Gummo. Have you, y'all y'all seen Gummo, Right? Or something I don't want to see Gummo. It's yeah. No, it's I haven't seen or, it. Or, it's not. I don't. I think it thinks it's edgier than it was. And, anyway, there's a scene in Gummo where this. It's a pretty famous scene. The kid. This kid is sitting in the in the bathtub, and his mom is giving him dinner on a tray while she shampoos his hair. And it's shot really grossly and everything. But the kid is eating. Really nasty looking spaghetti and a glass of milk, and that just real. I'm sure I've eaten spaghetti and milk at some point in my life as a kid, but yeah, just milk combined with other things. Milk combined with anything that's not um, cookies or like a deli sandwich, I think is kind of nasty to me.
1: This is a deli sandwich. It's just just ketchup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I just nasty.
1: watched a um, killing of a Sacred How- deer for the first time, and there's a really gross spaghetti eating scene. In Ooh, the is that? I, I've been thinking about is watching ketchup, ketchup spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs>
0: What? Yeah. Oh, it, wait, is the ketchup... Spaghetti with ketchup? Oh, do people it do that? looks
3: like
1: it, almost. I had a friend
3: when ugh. I was younger who would like... She didn't like the pasta sauce, so she would eat spaghetti with ketchup. No. And
0: it just... uh, I know people who did that with macaroni and cheese, <laughs> which is disgusting. Like, they make Kraft macaroni and cheese, and they uh. put ketchup in it. It's so nasty. Uh. Um, ugh, that's <laughs> I'm, a, that's I'm
1: fine with that, honestly. That's a stuff That was the scariest sauce.
3: part of the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Or the, the book, was the ketchup sandwich.
1: Dan, I have to agree with you that it's like... We have this great picture. Why did you need to write like four thousand words? <laughs> yeah. well,
0: it's funny that it's the um, hey, you know, it. it's funny that it's the the guy who did uh, Jumanji and Polar Express. I didn't know that um, once again until afterwards, because that I, I feel like a, a hallmark of that guy's style is that it, it's not a lot of text, right? Like from what I remember, Jumanji is mostly they set they, they have this conceit of the board game that brings you know wildlife out into the real world. And then it's just kind of kids going through those scenes. Same thing with Polar Express. It's just a little bit of text, and then I think the illustrations are evocative enough to to tell the story in itself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I um, yeah. Right. So let, let's just say I'm I'm not I'm not jonesing for an adaptation of this story anytime soon. <laughs> um.
2: And it was I believe it was it was it not adapted. Was it not in the. Uh... Oh, is, is it
0: in the Nightmares and Dreamscape series? I, I haven't watched. Who's who's on that episode? Uh, I haven't watched any of those. I'm not sure. I think Flieger's on no, there. None Randall of us. Yeah, I think Randall. I think Randall's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah none of yeah. us.
2: We've we've done our <laughs> we've done our work. I know. Uh, I know. Um, um,
0: Omni's um, last case is kind of the the centerpiece of the Nightmares and Dreamscape series. They got they got a uh, upstanding citizen William H Macy to be in it. Damn. Oh, oh.
1: How did they get that?
0: Yeah. I know what. And this is pre oh, pre They're, college cheating scandal. William H Macy. So that's a big yet.
2: Oh. Um, now the, the wait the audio version. Do you know who that was done by Aisha? Uh,
3: for that one, what, what were we talking about? The
2: yeah, for House, on, House, Maple House on
3: Maple Street. Street. It was. I want to say Eardley Smith, but let me just check real quick. It's no, it was Tabitha the, King. That's why. Oh, was
2: Tabby. Tabitha! Oh, yeah, the old Tabby. lady.
3: Her voice <laughs> is old lady. so. She reminds me so much of like like. When I think of Boston accents, and then when I hear a Boston accent, I'm just like, or a Massachusetts, or like a, a East Coast accent, it's just those heavy A's. And like, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Where is she from? I, I mean, I know she's from New England somewhere, but is she from Maine or from Boston? Or I'm sure we can find out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually they never met heard. At school. Yeah, they met at uh, a rock. Arano? How do you say that? That uh, University of Maine. Oronde. Uh, or something <laughs> like that. I've never. I've actually never heard Tabitha King talk. I don't know what she sounds like. She,
4: I know. I'd be interested in hearing. It.
0: Would, would you? Did it enrich the the story for you?
3: No, I think it kind of detracted from me. But it had that <laughs> folksiness. Her voice kind of like makes you think you're reading a book from like the 1950s and like. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe it's just because my aversion to that accent <laughs> is kind of. very strong. Sorry for anyone who has that accent. It's just. It's. It's grating on my ears, and it was grating for me listening to her.
1: Anytime anyone well, talks about the Boston up. accent, I remember the video of the <laughs> men on the boat that are like looking at the sunfish, being like, "It's a baby whale, G." <laughs> 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 Can
0: I call the aquarium. I now think of. Is uh, it? Was it you shared it back or just, who, who who shared the pot of the problem video the the PSA the pot of the problem? <laughs> oh, you in, know, New England.
2: Somewhere. I might have shared it to the group, but it was shared to me from someone else. I don't know. I that a is a Explain else. the video.
1: It's two boys that are poorly acting out like an anti. It's an anti-drug PSA, or is it anti-sexual I, I think assault?
0: I, I got that it was anti-sexual. I think it's anti-abuse. Yeah, like speaking up when assault. you see abuse. Yeah. I, I think it was maybe like one of the... We had these in my high school. These, um, you would have to make a PSA, and then it was a competition. And I guess it's from a while ago. And I don't know... I don't know. When did it go viral? Because it, it had a lot of likes by the time I clicked on it, or a lot of views. I,
2: I have no clue. Uh, please find it. I think, it I think Justin... It. Yeah, I think <laughs> Justin shared it with me, but... Uh, if you just Google, the whoa, kid breaks the fourth wall in the most... Unassuming way. <laughs> what is it
0: he's like if you if you don't speak up you the problem. <laughs> part of the problem. I should but we I don't know, is it, should we be making fun of accents? I know it's a Boston one. I feel kind like I feel kinda of bad making fun of She's accents. She's from Old
3: Town, Maine, so it's it's, okay. it's, it's it's a scope of the whole East Coast kinda let's
0: be real. Yeah. Well, I really I'll feel, our, I really feel I'll, the Boston will... accent
1: is okay to make fun of. Yeah, right. I
0: think it's well, like, like on, economics uh, on
2: it. I, I don't know. I feel bad. I don't really on have that. A... On that note, on that note, I, I will wrap or... up the house on Maple Street. Mac, you're part of the problem. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't <laughs> mind. Is it the end accents. of the whole mess? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it. is. <laughs> Thank you, Mel. That was a, wow. that was a great transition. I, I don't need to be doing these transitions. Number 10 is the end of the whole mess. Uh, now, this... Uh, I, I like this one a lot actually mm-hmm. um, It really kind of grew on me It reminded me a lot of like survivor type And I think that in that sense It is always fun Just to see how these stories kind of unravel I thought it was interesting that it takes place In 2006 So it's like the new the <laughs> Escape from New York that takes place in 1996 uh, <laughs> And um, Yeah this one for me uh, was, was, was up there I, had it, I think I had it like number 5 oh my god uh, and i'm also very interested in watching the adaptation because ron livingston is howard and henry <gasps> thomas is bobby in the story and i think that that would be a really cool version uh to see uh did anyone else uh, enjoy this story or am i just did, out here on dead this,
0: this is like the oh sorry go ahead asia
3: no, I was gonna say it was ten for ten for me, so it just kind of lined up pretty well.
0: Huh. Yeah, it was eleven cool. for me. Th- I I would say uh, this was so- in my rankings. Eleven is kind of the beginning of the stories that I I start to like a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I like what we say about Survivor Type Mac. Just this sort of real life documenting what an ailment or a disease feels like. I mean, Survivor Type, it's him getting high and eating himself, and in this one, it's this kind of um, disease that I guess 100%. regresses people, just people's general mental capacities um yeah and i I think King's really good at that at just sort of stilting uh stilting the speech as as it goes on and just making you know adding more ellipses in there and just making he's really good at capturing the fading away of that i did think some of the lead up at the front of the story like the the ramp up to the exposition everything took a little like a little too long for me but once things started unraveling both in the world and in this guy's personal life that 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 was when i really started to like i feel like it took on a lot of momentum that I, i really appreciated.
2: Yeah, um, I agree with you, Dan. Uh, go, go ahead. Yeah. I hate it.
0: Please tell me you have another thing written out because uh, I, <laughs> I don't. I
1: know. I think all my good I'm rants back. are done. It was number eighteen for me though. Like I, I thought. Okay, first of oh, all, wow. it's just like it, it was like a ripoff of like a Flowers for Algernon type story. Mm, it's. I thought. I thought that uh, what you're yeah. talking about, Dan, is like. I didn't think he did it well at all. Like, I don't think that actually captures any kind of real lapse into early onset senilities, like like, oh, to misspell a bunch of words and like your grammar gets kind of bad. And I hated like the cinematic set pieces. Like you can just see King being like i'm so clever i'm gonna show them the wasp nest and like the volcano and it's just like so over the top and i found the voices so grating to me like i want whores to douche with it this like water that he's made (laughs) Um, i'm like get the fuck out like talk about all concept and nothing else like this story sucked (laughs) I can listen to you talk about this all day. Yeah, I thought you
0: had no rats left. Did you? That I, I feel like the, I feel like I. That one learned.
1: wasn't written. That was fully off the cuff.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was kind of midway about it. That's I think why it came out for number ten was that I like the. It did start start really slow, and I wasn't really interested or paying attention as I was reading. And like with Mel said, I kind of was like, "This is so hokey." When they talk about going to the volcano. And like dropping this in, and how? And my head was like, how is he getting all this money so easily? And it was just like it seemed too unbelievable, and just kind of like a uh, what do I want to say? Like Deus Machina or mm-hmm. Deus Ex maxima, Machina of like everything just happening without like any kind of qualms or problems leading up to that point. The flowers for Algernon part kind of annoyed me a bit because again, like Namel said, you know, it's not just you start to say words incorrectly or. Uh, your your grammar's messed up. Like, there's a whole part to that. But I guess it was interesting in the sense of it plays to that fear that a lot of Americans have and deal with, or not just Americans, but people in general, of, like, having Alzheimer's and when you know that's in your family and, like, what that can mean. Um,
1: but other than that,
3: yeah, I was kind of like, eh, it was all right.
1: Is the message here, too, that, like, we can't – it's like humans can't actually be rendered peaceful without losing the essential – intellectual part of ourselves or something like
3: intelligence make you angry or something
1: <laughs> i mean I, I got that
0: it was yeah, yeah just sort of humans know. being the more he, yeah humans are the smartest species but also that makes them the most violent species that was just kind mm-hmm. of generally what i got from it i mean it's funny i, had, I hadn't really thought mm-hmm. the flowers for Algernon connection i think because it, it, with this one it's happening to the whole planet and it's so steeped in violence or in like a global sense of violence in a way that Flyers for Al for me is much more you know one person. Um yeah are you, are you are you all fans of Flyers for Algernon? Never really. Yeah. I read like, like it for school. Yeah, I remember liking it. It's been a long time, but I remember liking it as a as as a lad. Um but yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. I I really and now who knows? i have never lost my mind like the guy in Survivor type does or how like anyone does in here. So who know I guess who knows if it's super accurate. But I don't, yeah, I don't know the way he I the way he started breaking up Breaking up everything language wise resonated with me. I like Survivor yeah, I, I type think for the it, record.
2: Oh, yeah, no, and, and I do too. And I, and I definitely didn't uh, I like this as much
0: I, as, as Survivor type. Right,
2: right. I, right. I didn't, I think I kind of felt like this for me, and maybe it's because it was similar to Survivor type that I, I felt like it could have been in like Night Shift or something. But um, hey, you know what? We all have different opinions and. Uh, <laughs> Some of them are wrong. And some, no, so no, it's kidding. Uh, and, I, and I didn't I did not it. Like, I, I,
0: li- I liked it. did not love it. Oh, but Dan. I think you're Dan, right, Dan, understand. that now don't, don't, at this don't, point, don't at this point, you can <laughs> love it, Dan. Yeah. At
1: this point, it's whether or not you dig the gimmick, like, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I dug this gimmick. I dug this gimmick. What can
2: I say? And I it don't know even low. if it was, I don't even know if it was some, the gimmick to me. I just think there were things, I mean, maybe they seemed theatrical, but uh I, I just there's this one line in there that where um he says something about like just really nonchalantly about of course uh he and my mother both died raving and pissing their pants, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know, But, but laugh, just but as if like that's just like that's just like a fact, like where you're just like, Yeah, that just that happened and there's just like no emotion there. It's just kind of like creepy. But um I, I, I the only thing I didn't like about this story was that he talks so much about his typewriter. And I just, I'm so over this, like the specifics. Not only does it date these stories so incredibly, like like we know, okay, we got it. You know a lot about typewriters. Like this is like the 10th story where we got to go into the the mechanics of the typewriter. Give it up. Those old Keep writers, it. man, they love their typewriters. I, does, I mean, that I know, was a, that
0: was know. sort of a, I feel like that was the equivalent of vinyl enthusiasts for a little bit with writers, but, but writers older than any of us are. I feel like it was a thing of like, oh, no, I got to have my typewriter. I got to feel that much closer to the story or whatever the thing is I'm writing. I don't think King, I would assume he does not write on a typewriter anymore, but who knows?
2: Mm. He might. Well, we've talked about about the end of the whole mess, and now we're going to talk about another end. This is number nine, Crouch End.
1: (laughs) Wow, this one masters (laughs) up for me, too. I had it as number nine.
0: Let's see oh, I mean. you had a number nine. Um, I
2: did. Cool. I where, wrote... where did everybody have this story?
1: 16.
2: Yeah, I had, I had it at 19. 16.
0: But I'm just... I, you know me, I'm, I... I, I not, not that it's, like, uh, a problem. I'm just not a, I'm not a Lovecraft guy. I did the, all these... I'm, I'm just never... I'm usually not on board whenever a writer's like, oh, this is my Lovecraft homage. Um, although, I don't know. I liked, I liked the Underwater movie a lot. But But King... Anytime King, like... Pays tribute to Lovecraft or any other writer. I just get. I think it just is a little tired. That's just me personally. But no, that makes sense.
1: I think there's a bit of a there's a bit of a like I'm in the club like feel. Yeah. If If you have read Love, like I used to be really into Lovecraft, and so I have that that bias. Even though Lovecraft sucks as a human, I read a lot of his stuff when Mm -hmm. I was was littler and. Mm So my only note on this one was British Lovecraft ripoff, comma okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, this is all very interesting, (laughs) y'all. When
1: like,
3: what's it? Is it better? I I was like, when better disappears, that's the only part where it got good to me.
1: (laughs) Oh, Uh, I will say, you know, I find it hilarious King's attempt to write British people, like. You don't mean you believe any part of it? Go on, sir. Pull the <laughs> other one. Didn't say that, did I? No, but you're new here. Like, you
0: like... yeah, he lived. Didn't he live in England for a little bit? Like him and Peter Straub lived next door to each other. I'm not sure why. Why he was over there, but didn't he live there for like a hot second? I
2: think he might. Maybe they were writing Black House together. Um, or maybe I actually. I'm not sure. I'd actually
1: yeah. be surprised. This seems so clumsily done. But hey. Hey, you should like be right, his God. Uh,
3: advisor for uh, voices.
0: <laughs> Wait, who did a British person okay. do this
3: one? Uh, Tim, Tim, Curry. Curry. Oh, this nice. Tim Curry. Oh, this is Tim Curry. Even Tim Curry couldn't save it for me. That was my other note.
2: <laughs> all right, let me let me throw this out there. This is my number one.
0: Mac, what? I loved <laughs> it, oh, man. All right, Mac. I loved it's it. Your head down. Now, all right, Where now, are now, are now you here you? we go. Mac, no, you, no, you, me, better, me, you better let me, have let me a, defend a this. Let me right You okay? better have a defender now. <laughs>
2: I, yeah, I, I don't have it written out, but just let me let me go for it here. Okay, Off the top. <laughs> uh, this was originally published published in a uh, Chalithu Mythos book, where which which is full of, uh, you know,
0: Lovecraft uh, bullshit, Lovecraft, the Lovecraft stories. Bullshit. So yeah. it was
2: supposed to be that. So that that didn't bother me at all. Um, any any book that where where some excerpts are used as lyrics for a British m- black metal dark ambient band. I'm on board. Uh, if you if you have ever heard the Access of Perdition, they use some of this story in their their song. Check it out. <laughs> 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 no, but aside from that, no. I I you know I really loved it, and I think the thing is that. Sometimes, I think, I don't know where this came in the stories, but I was just kind of like, it just it just hit me, right place, right time. I think it really reminded me of, of uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is kind of, it's, which is right up there with the Jalithu stuff, the, the Lovecraftian stuff. Um, and I just like that idea of kind of, it, it did kind of remind me. And, I, you know, he went back, I think, and kind of changed some things for, uh, for the Nightmares release. I believe it was a slightly different version. So there's a lot of like thinny things going on between the dimensions, and uh, I felt like the 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 teenagers and stuff that like had like the that looked like rats and it was kind of like the low men. And so I, I was I was I might have been projecting this whole like Dark Tower edge on it as well. Like they talk about this crazy six car bone white train moving fast through the city, and I thought that that was Blaine. You know, like there's um. There of were just you like things like a, that that i a tower
1: I, nerd. I know it's a tower head. I actually I have like
2: a I have a uh I have a Dark Tower t-shirt coming in the mail tomorrow. Ooh, so, what's on it? <laughs> that paints anything. I picture you reading it like uh, it's Blaine.
4: It's Blaine, it's Blaine.
2: <laughs> I was yelling out to no one in my own apartment there's no one here. I'm just yelling out it's Blaine. Sad. But uh no, this one generally genuinely there was I felt like there was some really creepy moments and um I just I think also part of me, and I know you said it didn't save it for you, Aisha, but I read that Tim Curry did the narration before I read it. So I had Mm -hmm. that in my head the whole time. And and just thinking of the last paragraph being read by Curry, like, just gets me excited. That's true. Uh, That's why I said
3: it was good at the end. I love Tim Curry. Like, if Tim Curry came to my house and was like, come live with me, I'd be gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do like, I like that we don't see what the husband sees, that he kind of has to just charge out of the hedge yeah. and be like, I'm insane now, let's go. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, very Lovecraftian.
2: Yeah, I I think there was also, um, there was some mention of, I think it was this story. It, it, it was something that was mentioned in Needful Things.
1: Oh, Nyarlathotep? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, King just likes to yeah. pull, put, lovecraftian I know, but gods it, 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 and everything it, it, i was gonna say wasn't yeah. that from lovecraft too
0: <laughs> do y'all have a um, you lovecraft heads do y'all have like a favorite lovecraftian god elder god uh, of the bunch i know there's a ton of them
1: yeah it's it's gotta be nyarlathotep or dagon i mean i love the crawling <laughs> chaos who doesn't <laughs> she's like a fan of everything
0: <laughs> uh, i know that um, i know that fish people story but the, i don't even think those are well, I guess they're caused by one of those gods. I don't fucking know. I don't like that. Yeah, that's but Dagon, I, I think. Or actually,
1: Sh- no, I think I think later adaptations made that connection. I'm not sure if the Innsmouth story actually Shado- yeah, references Dagon.
0: I you know what um, I I dig when King has Lovecraftian elements pop up, like in Salem's Lot, for instance, or Dr- the the short story Jerusalem's Lot. Even though it's a it's about vampires and all this other stuff happening in the town, but the source of it is uh, some kind of Lovecraftian god underneath the church like that doesn't bother me as much when it's kind of repurposed to to do something else but i think it, w- this one and there's that short story N that's a, that's in um just after sundown or wherever that collection is i i think because it just feels mm-hmm. like su- such a a tribute and nothing else is is when it becomes uninteresting to me and like you said mac it does make sense because it was in a lovecraft uh collection but yeah just um i don't know maybe right. maybe, I, maybe i tried to read it when i was the, like, at the wrong time in my life. I don't know if I had to get into it when I was younger or whatever else.
2: When you were as young as me? Yeah,
0: well, I, don't well, I don't know. When, <laughs> you, when <laughs> I ended, did y'all get into Lovecraft? I don't
2: know. I just turned 13. No. My Lovecraft um, stuff really does
1: skate by on, like, a King's Dominion type of
2: excitement. Yeah. yeah no, I, I I agree with that. Uh, absolutely. And uh, that's why I loved it. Uh, you know. Mac, what, Mac loved the craft. I, I'm happy to stand by it, but I totally understand why people didn't like it. Let's move on to number eight. Move, move, move. The moving <laughs> finger. Uh, ah, yes. Uh, now, Mel, you had this one pretty high.
1: No, this was Is fourteen what, right? for me.
2: You had this lower. Fourteen. Okay. Uh, Versus eight. This was, hmm, this was number nine for me. So this was, this would have been crouching if I had my <laughs> way. This would have been number nine. <laughs> I, 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 the, the thing that I liked about this story, there's a part where Howard pisses into the sink mm-hmm. and all i could think of was dan
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> see. I, did you do that once a wow. few times at, par- I, we I don't had, see that. at parties the thing to do in college in undergrad and shortly out of well, undergrad the
1: thing to do
0: no no, no. Well, that's <laughs> okay. no like if you if it was i uh, some people were repulsed by this but i'm just gonna i'm not gonna pretend i didn't do it so if they're if the party was really crowded and there was a huge line for the bathroom, a lot of people were waiting behind you. What you would do, uh, and our our uh, co-host Dan Fleeger was a part of this. Sometimes, if you're with three other people and everyone was cool going in a different part of the bathroom, you have one person pee in the bath with the with the water running, uh, one person pee mm-hmm. in the sink, and the other in the toilet. And that way, you're you're doing all the other party guests a favor by. Making the line go a little bit quicker, um, and you leave you know, the. You the, know what?
1: That sounds really generous. And
0: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I,
3: so I mean, but it, I've never done this at someone else's house. But if I've lived with multiple roommates and we had one bathroom, I've definitely peed in the sink because yeah, see,
0: too long. Same. same I, don't, I don't
3: know if I would ever do that at someone else's house.
0: Well, I, I've done it in many people's houses, and uh, yeah, they <laughs> it got it got out at a as a party in Chicago at friend Tracy's house. Um, yeah, like a bunch of people found out, and they were like seriously repulsed by me like they thought it was rude (laughs) and disgusting and i really and i kept trying to say well you you spit in the sink all the time when you brush your teeth that has way more germs in it than pee does and you're running the water it's not like you're just like pissing and leaving the leaving the drink just like having a nice yellow uh (laughs) yellow river in there no but just um, leave
3: some like glass cleaner or something
0: next to my sink if you ever know. yeah I, if someone wanted to do it in my in my uh sink that'd be totally fine i would not i would not care Well you um, only
1: did this when it when a crowding was an issue right yeah yeah, it yeah, no, like you yeah were no it wasn't
0: like a, <laughs> I, I had a lot of friends who would just like get drunk and just like pee like in the living room at party like they would just like pit, oh. pit there i won't say any names but i know a person who um yeah it was like a, almost a weird it, fetish isn't the right word like they would just get drunk and every time they would just like take their dick out and piss in the middle of someone's living room like no no fail. i know it's weird right you you gotta tell us who this is it's a cool person Um, i I like this person a lot but it was something they did and it did not match their personality in real life like they would never do something like that like or in in sober sober life anyway so yeah so no it wasn't like a thing i did because i got off on her out of disrespect it was only if if we can move the line along a little bit. So I'm I think I'm the hero of this story is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> In my opinion. Long story opinion. short, now did a moving finger ever come out of the drain and, and punish me? No. But I love this story and it's at number seven for me. <laughs> That's what I'll say.
2: Oh nice. I really
0: I now I going back to the gimmick thing, and once again I think it's just gonna come down to taste for, for a lot of us. Like some of us like Lovecraft, some of us like multi-knuckled fingers. I don't know, the fact that this was once it was established that this thing was supposed to be so long and probably attached to a much... It wasn't just a sentient finger. It was actually attached to a much bigger monster being in the sewers or whatever it was. That really freaked me out. That being said, I don't remember a ton about the characters other than the guy... I mean, the guy's kind of a a classic king asshole slob to his wife, right? Like, like he's just insulting her intelligence every, at every turn. Yeah. So that's not great. And like once again, mo- mo- for the most part the gimmicks that I really like in in this collection, it's not because I think the characters are awesome, right? It's not like night shift or something where you're like, oh man, those these two characters in the Last Strong and the Ladder are so memorable and are so complicated and have so much going on. I think most of these are run-of-the-mill kingian losers. Um, but once again when it comes to that gimmick, I really like the finger itself really freaks me out.
1: This was one that I that I unconsciously plagiarized. Like when I was younger, I wrote okay. a story about about a worm Sort of coming out from the drains with like no end in sight um, mm. to an apartment, and and it turned out that like it, this was a sort of normal thing, and like the people living there were like, oh, did you pay your tribute to the worm today? And they would like, oh, that's cool. parts <laughs> of their their toenails and uh, stuff. What do you nice. pay? <laughs> um, like but, like bits of your body, like your toenails, your hair, like oh, things this... that would go down the drain. That's a good story, though. But I but I think it was oh, wor- no, I think it was don't... only because I had read this that that happened.
0: Um. You wrote this as a little kid or, or, like, recently? No,
1: this was, like, I don't know, six years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that, though. But then, it, you know, after I reread this for, like, the second time, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> that's where it came I from. That. But I agree, Dan. Like, it's almost like King is scared to create interesting characters for fear that they'll overshadow what is a simple and, like, Admittedly, freaky conceit. Like I, I yeah. think the finger is cool, yeah. but his notes suggest he like had an idea, wanted to write about how life is just shitty. But like Howard is just so bland. I don't understand King's notes in conjunction with the story. Like, is Howard really a quote good person that something bad is happening to? Like, what questions is this story really proposing? <laughs> it's just weird how I this got whole the collection... Go ahead.
3: No, I I don't want to interrupt you. I just got the mediocre, like, white man kind of feeling from it.
4: From
1: right. That.
3: And that's kind of a lot of feelings I have for a lot of uh, King's <laughs> characters. But I, you finish your story, and then I'll go into my little thing.
1: I just think it's weird how this this whole collection, like, the pendulum of it swings from, like, very overt moralizing and allegory. Like, here is a person who is so bad, and they will get their comeuppance. Or, like, here is a metaphor for aging or whatever. It's, like, either, like, here's a big-ass big, big ass fable, or it's just, like, empty shock value. <laughs> like, he can't do anything in between. Like, he can't just be like, here's an interesting character, and some nuanced shit happens to them. It's either, like, I'm going to teach you a lesson, or, like, I'm going to spit in your face. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that is that is a good point. I mean, because if, if you think about something like My Pretty Pony, which I loved, I know not all of us loved it, but uh, but, um, but but yeah, falling more into this, oh, it's it's gonna I'm gonna really lean into this Bradbury fable, there folksy, whatever you want to call it, and then yeah, simply like moving finger, where it's like, oh no, it's cool because it's a giant serpentine moving finger or rainy season. It's as uh, frogs killer. Uh, so frogs that rain, you know, yeah, with with like sharp teeth. <laughs> Wait, what do you say? <laughs> frogs that what? <laughs> frogs that bite? Yeah, and so it, yeah, I think they bought
3: they bit them, right? Oh,
0: they bite them, yeah. yeah we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah, I, I love me some rain season. Oh, they bite but, uh, them. Yeah, we'll, we'll... but yeah, so it's it's <laughs> yeah, insane. it's very like uh, yeah, it, it is interesting because I think you even though I've said this before, I do think it's a stronger collection overall than something like Skeleton Crew, but Skeleton Crew is is able. I think it has a lot more stories that had both the human and the monstrous in them in a way that's a lot more rewarding and and developed I think than the ones do here yeah they're they're they like yeah hey they're their nightmare or dreamscape right is what
2: we said last time true are you sure you were gonna say
3: uh purely okay if I take out a few things that I will get into later purely on the standpoint of just like the finger coming out of the drain because when I was little I always had like this kind of fear of things in the bathroom oh, um, totally and I remember when I was younger I used to think that some women had teeth in their vaginas because I would see, like, ripped up toilet paper on the floor. So I, you know, oh,
4: toilet
3: wow. toilet fear or toilet horror is something <laughs> that occurs for me. And so just strictly on the story of, like, having this thing that could, like, you're sitting on the toilet. I don't know what you could do. Uh, or if I'm, like, wash- brushing my teeth because I like to brush my teeth in the dark sometimes in the early in the morning and something comes up that I can't see and, like, attacks me, uh, that was, that for me was why I think I had it at number three.
0: Ooh. Ooh yeah. Wow, yeah.
3: Yeah. Purely for that. However, if we like take account like the other parts for me, which was like I had uh the wife and the husband. So V or Vi or whatever her name was, her blatant racism of like <laughs> these couple that owns the <laughs> shop. Not only that, but also like uh I think it was Mrs. Lau who owns the shop and like the dialogue that uh King attempts to have her like speaking and it's just so cringeworthy. like I literally could not sit through it and it just seemed like he didn't <sighs> I don't even know it just it, it seemed less like he was interpreting someone who's speaking from a different culture with like not English as a first language to being just like the most uh, racist kind not racist that's not the word I'm looking for it just seems it, it was very bigoted to me the way he presented Mrs. Lau and I was like not about that Um, I don't know how, but then also I find that when King writes for other people who are not white or from certain areas, his attempts to like convey their, how they would like speak and act reminds me of this interview that Richard Pryor did, where he was saying how, like when he write when he takes a a role and he sees someone trying to write as a black person, he doesn't go for those roles. He tries to go for things that are presenting people as human. Mm. And mm-hmm. like, for me, sometimes when I li- when I read Stephen King and how he narrates for other people, I feel like he's missing the point of them as being humans. And it's like, then they're just like these stereotypes that people have of them. Like, was it, there was the Irish um, neighbor who he could, who he was like just talking about and Feeney. And he was both in a way, I want to say, um, chastising Howard for his use of like this blatant use of how he talked about uh, Feeney I think his name was like calling him bog trotter and drunk but at the same time I was like he was just using these freely and there's other stories where I'm like I don't can't tell if you're trying to like say like this is inappropriate for people to talk but this is just how people talk or if you're just like having a way of getting out all your like you know you may not think you know how some people don't think of themselves as bigoted but like have bigoted tendencies just because that's how they were raised and things like that and so it's like this is his way of like getting that all out without any repercussion
1: yeah he's like quentin tarantino like that yeah <laughs> like you just you just really want to
0: say slurs like I don't know. <laughs> right like
3: you felt good saying that didn't you yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know i, I mean I, I, like, w- I would say uh, sorry dan uh, but i don't i don't think. Um, I don't think that King was trying to do this, but um but Aisha what like you were saying earlier with that other story, do you think that because these were like kind of awful people that you were more apt to be like, ooh, what's gonna happen to them like with the finger yeah like, in, in a, like that. they're gonna get something I, was no, I don't of think hoping King was writing it like too. that, yeah, I mean, I wish he was, but <laughs> I think that I think again it's uh like you were saying <laughs> like this is the early nineties and this is him growing up with you know the I also think that didn't. I don't want to say yeah. that he
3: was doing it on purpose. Sometimes things are done very subconsciously and like, you don't yeah, realize yeah. it that you're doing it as part of, and, and that should be what I say, what I'm saying is that more like, is he subconsciously not realizing that he's writing this in as such, he's trying to be this pre- or present it one way, but subconsciously it's allowing him to do these other things. I, I I don't know. I, maybe I'm just not reading a lot of other people that write like this,
0: but I mean the whole I, no, I mean... The, the dialect thing. I, I find is is specific to like a certain uh, not 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 exclusive necessarily, but it is adopted pretty frequently by a certain generation of male writers. Mm. I mean he's he's older, but um, like in the playwriting world, Eugene O'Neill, who who you know, it, obviously Eugene O'Neill is a, a great playwright, but at the same time, he like it was like he was addicted to writing in dialect, no matter what the country or the race or whatever it was and it just gets i mean beyond it being offensive it's also just really hard to read at a certain point you know <laughs> you're just like right. jesus christ because it and it doesn't yeah. really sound authentic because it's not you know he's not usually of the people of the uh background of the people he's writing and it's um yeah no no once yeah like with king i don't think he, i i don't think he was intending anything but uh, bad by that i think it was the opposite obviously but at the same time like it just it doesn't age well and and once again it just it comes off a little cartoony and i i wonder if it comes from this desire to exoticize things or, or just like flirt with cultures there in your own but only only look at it from a weird spectator's point of view rather than yeah, really try to get just, inside the person yeah
1: he just reduces them because it's all he knows how to do but i i mm. don't i don't like being like he was a part of his time like I don't think that's a very good excuse especially if you look at the history of dialect like it's always been used to both other and mock like if you look at it in like fucking Dracula like that's what it's mm-hmm. doing and also like there are oh, yeah. people in King's time doing a better job so like and and he hasn't grown out of it like read the Hodges trilogy like there's okay that
3: was my next question because I was like maybe it's just me and I'm reading with this perspective of nowadays of how we're working and how we read mm-hmm. through things and this is and I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but thank you Mel because I still was like I wonder if his current stuff is
0: very reflective. Yeah. Of like H- Hodges, it's almost worse because <laughs> he has oh God, he has this, this this black character who who aside from the dialect is you know he he um he's he's very intelligent. Like he goes to Ivy League. He's like this computer program. Like he does. He actually has a you character. Can see King
1: not- doing that because. <laughs> he's like don't worry this boy yeah, man exactly. went to an Ivy League school he's like a hacker and it's
0: and it's kind of like if he just hadn't do that okay great whatever thank you King but then he does this thing where he goes into this alter ego of oh and because I'm black I can do this I'm gonna do like a, a you know a a um an insulting like black unintelligible dialect and it's this character what's it what's it tyrone feelgood or something is the alter ego oh, yeah it's right oh, and and so so he has him do it and it's so and, and like King, why why can not you have just stopped at the the stuff that's true to his character not why do you see why do you have to use that as an excuse for him to do this alter ego because
1: he
4: fetishizes <laughs> yeah. black
1: people like he
4: just yeah. loves mm-hmm. to be
1: like i know
0: He's jive so yeah. The
3: Magical Negro is uh, is the thing that I discuss with my father a lot with King novels. <laughs> yeah, Green Mile.
0: And, oh, yeah. Yeah. What We're, does your dad yeah, say? No stranger in the to that. Too, yeah. and, and so it's it's just this thing of like, and, and then it, once again, he thinks because the other characters are, are telling this this kid like, okay, come on, we don't need to do that. He thinks because these other characters are calling him out that he's allowed to do it. I mean, and I don't think he's done it in the past couple of Hodges books, but I could be wrong. Um, but still, yeah, like to some, answer a question Randall that's pretty
2: recent. Someone was telling me that other books attempt to like overcorrect that. Yeah. So, I'm very interested in like, getting just, to get, I'm very interested in reading the Hodges trilogy eventually when we get there in 4 years probably. Yeah, but it's so it's <laughs>
0: um, it, yeah, but, uh, and it's um yeah, and so you you it, it's just weird. It feels like sometimes it's like and look, I'm not. I'm not saying as a writer, I haven't done problematic stuff, and because I certainly have. But I think, yeah, with the dialect thing, like some people, then it's like they just can't fucking help themselves, and you're just like, you're just like, stop, just stop it. And so, anyway,
1: <laughs> Aisha, what is your um, what does your dad think?
0: Yeah, he's, you know, yeah, oh, it's about, Hodges. Yeah, he.
3: Uh, I I don't think he's read any of the new stuff. Actually, honestly, I'll have to ask him. I'm not sure. He like dumped his entire collection on me uh for me to have to go through so i have to go through all that stuff but he loved king i mean at the same time though he finds him very problematic for many of the same reasons as well as some others that i i would love to talk to him about more actually and get his more mm. perspective on it but did, did he pod. give you uh
0: did he give you first editions <laughs> some of them are some of them are uh, <laughs> I, I have left, to go yeah. through the
3: rest <laughs> I Don't oh. you don't know where i live
4: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i know we've actually never met in person so um but yeah, and it's just it. and I think that's the thing. I mean, we talk about it all the time on the pod. Like, I think, I think anyone who wants to be a deep reader of King and really investigate him thoroughly as an author, yeah, and there there comes an age, right, where we all, we all have to reckon a little bit with. Okay, I love this stuff about him, but this other stuff is kind of um, kind of cringy. And the, yeah, and the dialect thing is one mm-hmm. I think he hasn't really fully gotten over as he's gotten older.
1: And I know a lot Has of people. Gotten... Sorry, go ahead. No, go. On. A lot of go people ahead. Ahead. are are kind of like. You know we can uh, we can appreciate the art and separate it from the artist and a lot mm. of times that can be true but but I, especially reading about jk rowling recently mm, like God there me, there are ways in which these habits and the both subtle and overt bigotry like are endorsed by the material in a way that makes it impossible to fully separate the art <laughs> from the artist like what i was talking about last episode like King has no dissenting voice in how he treats women, fat people, black people, people of other races. Like it's, it's, it's inextricable, I think. And like, it's good to reckon with that. And I still enjoy a lot of King's work for the good parts in it, but I do think like it is a cop-out to be like, well, we can just talk about it and, and view it as something that is teasable apart from the art itself
0: and from the author Oh yeah, so, I mean same thing with yeah, with I... Lovecraft, right? Like it's it's like totally, you can't. Yeah. It's like mm. you can't. They they didn't just pull that stuff out of their ass, you know. Like, like that's that's connected <laughs> to how they were to like who they are as people and and who they are as as writers. And yeah, and I I think it's like yeah, rather than just go. Oh, we're not yeah, we're not going to talk about this other stuff because we just want to focus on the good stuff. Yeah, I think it's good. I, th- I think it's good just to reckon recognize those things and also that they are intertwined, you know, I'm um, sorry, Mac, what you're gonna say yeah. interrupt
2: you going to say. No, I was just going to say, um, no, I was just going to eventually, I, I think this is all really great to talk about and, and super poignant and obviously deals with the story. Um, I was about to start asking a question about JK Rowling, but that turns this into a totally different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she, she, she um, got
0: locked in with her and King had.
2: Some, oh, I know, yeah, no, yeah. I know the story. Yeah. I was just, I was going to incite some more discussion there, but, um, uh, well, but this is number eight. This is number eight for. Our <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say hey, Mac, yeah. Hey, Mac, trying to do a transition um, from that conversation. Uh, but, but I, yeah. I do agree. I think whenever he does fall into those, those tropes, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, like you don't, you just don't need any of that. Like. At all, like Part the story is just about a finger coming out of the train. Like, why are you introducing? Why are you introducing all these other characters and all this other stuff? i like, if again, if the point was to be like, I want to illustrate how awful these people are and what, and this is what's happening to them. But it doesn't seem like that. It just feels very mm-hmm. like, okay, these are the kind of, this is just the kind of, this is the. I'm painting the picture of where they are, and it's like, okay, well, did you need to do this? I, I, I don't know. I, I think that. um uh, the thing all the finger stuff in this really works for me I, I agree with you uh, with you with all about the having a fear of something in the bathroom or even just drains that probably stems from watching it mm-hmm. and, totally. you know uh, <laughs> when the miniseries came out uh, and I was you know like eight when I watched it or something and uh, I just remember being terrified of that kind of idea even now when like uh, the, the some odd bug maybe crawls out of a drain or something it just creeps, it freaks all right, me
0: out are any of you ever worry i i think about this almost every time anytime i sit down on a toilet i that, like, a rat will come through the drain uh, and then, like, he'll mm-hmm. swim around. A rat? I heard about that, that they can swim up. Yeah, that's what and, I heard like, too. Yeah. Is it true? If you know. think about it
1: practically, the rat isn't going to do anything to you, it's just going to be stuck in your toilet. Like, rats and snakes, I'm not worried about. Bugs <laughs> oh, that can yeah. actually, like, crawl up the side and, like, yeah, onto your yeah. butt, like, no. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I
3: used to have that fear <laughs> when I was in Korea where they have, like, the squatting, like, home <gasps> toilets. Oh, yeah. And I was like, "This is too close to the floor, and I'm hovering. There's a lot that could go wrong." <laughs> and um,
2: something, like like <laughs> Some, something I would like to see—something I would like to see though—is that this was filmed for the TV series Monsters. It was the series finale mm-hmm. of that show, and it starred Tom Noonan. Ooh, I love Tom Noonan. And I love Tom Noonan, and I would love to see what they did with the finger. Hey, Tom! I,
0: I just
1: I, Tom Noonan. This did, was uh, 90, show me the finger.
2: 91.
0: I think. <laughs> Tom Noonan, OG. Uh, he's the fir- he's like the first Thomas Harris villain on screen. <laughs> he's the
2: fir- <laughs> he's the first what what down? <laughs> there wait, are you over are you?
1: Tom Noonan over here.
0: <laughs> wait, wait 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 wait. What did you say about what did you say? She <laughs> like, said
1: works <laughs> for the time she can't repeat it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> show- oh wait, you said show me the finger? Is that every time? Yeah,
1: just let it. We gotta live in the moment. We gotta keep
0: going. <laughs> <laughs> only- we have
1: seven
4: left. <laughs>
0: No, all right, i was just all right. gonna well, say well, we're talking about thomas that, harris because uh tom minnan's the og francis dollarhyde right like isn't he, uh... is he a manhunter yeah he's a manhunter he's the Oh, i need he's... to
1: see that movie oh, oh you, that you never
0: seen, seen it? it? Oh, is
1: isn't that so sad manhunter.
0: i love manhunter you
1: know man. who else hunts you know men also...
2: do you know Mac. hey 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 do i'm feeding who's... them to you also a manhunter that's what i said <laughs> who? the night flyer <laughs> at number seven we have stephen king's the Night Flyer which was also uh, adapted into a film and uh, I, I think I had to review that film for a, a story we did a while back uh, about all the the best adaptations to the uh, or the worst and the best adaptations because I, I didn't really love the Night Flyer movie I also didn't really love this story and I don't know if it's because I read it after having seen the movie a couple times but uh, this was this was lower on my list. This was like number fourteen, oh, wow. and I know that that's probably jarring because I think some people really dug this story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wasn't. I just, just didn't do it for me.
0: I had the Nightflyer at number one. It's my favorite story. Ooh, number one, oh. number one man. It was my favorite story. Someone now had to have it. Yeah, I, <laughs> it was it was my favorite story. Now in the collection, and, and when I was younger too. I I think that I mean. All right, once again, go into the gimmick thing. I love the vampire in the story. I love that it's grotesque. I know, I know it's so corny, but I love the scene of it pissing blood and not seeing it in the mirror. I, I think that's oh, I,
2: I, the urine vampire. I think I, that's I, so cool. I just thought I thought he's the least scary vampire. Oh man, ever. I, I love the
0: idea. I, I <laughs> just, did you did you hope
1: he would pee in the sink? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just think like he's like, like vampires us. don't operate anymore. Like why, okay, why Mac, would you be you're pissing gonna, if anything? If you're going to accept
1: vampire sex, you got to accept vampire pee. Right? Yeah. Maybe they like to eat food and pee just because it makes them feel
0: it, real again. Peeing into the sink would be fun. It would be interesting because it would be coming from the front, but you wouldn't see it in his reflection. It would be. Yeah. But uh, yeah. If, if, I vamp, if I was a vampire, if I was a vampire, and
1: Dan have just added such nuance to this story. I just like <laughs> maybe it's something they do to feel
4: human. <laughs> like, no, I did. You know, <laughs>
2: I did enjoy the pound cake in this where D says, uh, something about spraying up about a pint of hot piss all over us.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> all hot, I can
0: think of is
2: hot piss.
0: Speaking of pound cake really quick. So, um, I had to, uh, I had to go to uh, Chicago this, this past weekend, uh, for a death in the family. I stayed with my aunt and I stayed in her, um, her grandkids have like a, uh, spare room on the second floor for whenever they come to visit. They weren't there. So I I stayed in their room. they had are like their toys or whatever everywhere. And they had like one of those like like a kitchen set. And there there was a box that said how to make pound cake on it, and I had a picture of pound cake. And I was like, oh no, bad. And uh, I I almost took a picture and sent it to you all, but I didn't want to like. Kitchen put my, set? Did you yeah, I didn't want to put same? my my uh, my cousins on blast like that. But it was it was just made me laugh. But <laughs> night flyer. Uh, I man, I love I love the idea of him like sleeping in the in the belly of the plane, the dirt, all that stuff is just great to me. And here's here's why here's why this story is true, like my number one, is that I, I do think he's getting at something a little bit, bit beyond just the scariness of vampires in this with the the press being literal bloodsuckers and everything, or tabloid people being literal bloodsuckers. Now, I know that's super obvious, like it's the most obvious metaphor and it does feel a little like hey, I hate reporters. I hate pe-. it goes back to the thing we we're saying of uh, of King, like acting like he loves criticism, but also kind of hating the press a little bit. Um, even though the dude's not a not a book reviewer. That being said, even though it's obvious, I think it's just I think this story just knows what it is, and it, it just makes no bones about being ultra violent and really heavy handed with its metaphor. And it's and I kind of like the protagonist as much of a scumbag as he is he feels real to me in a way that a lot of the other characters in this collection don't. So it is a, str- a number one, as Larry Underwood would say a number one with a bullet for wow. this vampire head over here.
1: I hey. had it at number five. I yeah. also really enjoy this story. I yeah. think that the, the guy is like, the, gro- the, the gross sociopath main character that's comparing like a landing to like being as smooth as a ed's breast or like a virgin's coos is like Ooh. detestable but in a way that is as you say dan like very consistent and like <laughs> um the airplane details i thought were really good i also i had written down everything you said i love the icky vampire the squirmy dirt all the gore the urine that's like a great brand of vampire that i think you know is is why we enjoy things like fright night too like when the vampire goes really yeah. gross you you're just like oh man that's a different sort of that's a different that's a horse of a different color um (laughs) and i think there's something fun about it the tabloid man like finding all the blood and guts he could ever want like i mean i agree like i think sure that's obvious on its face but like it's something something has grossed out the man who is incapable of grossing out himself with his awful behavior and like that's great
0: Yeah, well, because it goes to what you guys were saying about moving finger, where you're like, why are these people gross and detestable? I'm not sure how that ties into what the what the scary element of the story is, right? Whereas with this, we totally get why. Okay, this guy's nasty. He's a tabloid reporter. He is detestable in so many ways, but that totally makes sense because he's getting trumped by this. Yeah, like you said, they this creature is even filthier than him. And, I, and yeah, a, a strong second for gross vampires because people forget that, like, in Dracula the novel, I mean yeah, he transforms into a younger guy at some point, but he's he's just an old predatory parasite for most of it and he's really disgusting. And I just like well, I like my monsters to be a little a little nasty anyway. I don't need the sexy vampires. I don't, I don't think vampires are that sexy.
1: When it goes above and beyond, that's like the dirt, he's sleeping in dirt. The dirt is also full of bugs. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he yeah, I mean that, when he um when he gets close to uh uh the the reporter like yeah, I mean, you can really, you feel like you need a shower after that. I, I loved it. Um, I'm, Mel, I'm glad I'm glad you like this story. I'm glad we, did it,
1: say, we did it,
0: Dan. We did it. This is where we <laughs> shake <it>.
2: hands <laughs> Aisha, where did you have this one?
3: It was actually number 12 for me. It was like midpoint. Uh, okay, okay. I, I kind of felt before reading this, because I, I hear so much about Nightfire, and i never seen the movie so I was like, God, if I don't like this, well, does that mean I'm not, like, I don't have, like, taste or anything like that? No. <laughs>
1: That's
0: yeah. not what it I, no, no, I like it, I wouldn't say that.
3: <laughs> yeah. I thought about it. But then when I read it, it, it I think it was the skeeziness of D's in there. Or I think his name was, like, D's. Yeah, Richard D's.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: and that, that to me, in my head, was also, like, Richard, because Dick Dick D's. So I was like, there was so much male <laughs> dick <laughs> like energy coming from this
0: character <laughs> i don't know if y'all count that exactly <laughs> but
3: it it kind of was i i i it took me a minute to kind of get into the story I, but when we got to the scene in the airport where like the the night is basically killing everybody cutting through everyone i like that kind of gore and scare as well so that's why i think it was a little bit higher for me on my list but not I think overall, as a story, I'm just kind of like, eh. It's, it, it took a minute to get there, and then it just kind of fizzled out for me. Because then he gets arrested right at the end.
0: And yeah, because I think he gets blamed for uh, yeah for all the murders. Yeah. And you Which I kind of like. Really. <laughs> I kind I kind of like say, that because because this... I thought he was just going to get killed, and then he uh, he doesn't. He gets uh, a fate worse than death.
2: Yeah. Then the, the 97 uh, flick. Which I think it was like a TV movie, I believe. Yeah, I think uh, they like made my, it for theaters, and it was
0: direct to video or something. Yeah, yeah, just I think it was direct
2: to video. Richard D's was played by Miguel Ferrer, who I love, and I feel like I really wanted to love the movie, but I I've, I saw it a couple times, and I had to watch it again to do this review, and it just I just don't I don't like the film version, and so I think I'm carrying a little bit of that over into this because I I like the idea. Of the Night Flyer. I just don't think we get enough of him. Like, so much of it is just Richard Dees being sl- a slimy reporter. And that's fine. But this also felt like this was like a novella being stuck kind of into a short story book. And I just felt like there's more there that, that could have merited maybe a cool book. But... I, I don't know i just didn't just well, didn't do the more it for I me i'm not i'm not into it. pissing vampires you know too
1: real. The, more I remember. I it, the more i'm like convinced that stephen king is obsessed with dracula although i haven't read anything to that effect like i think the outsider and i said this on our episode about it briefly the outsider is is purely stephen king's dracula and i think this is a dracula homage in that dracula is an epistolary yeah. novel written by people who are like We have to put this down letters, newspaper clippings. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all like a record from, you know, primary sources, but never from Dracula himself. And he's very elusive. He's always like on a ship or in a castle. And like this had the same sort of updated, same sort of energy, but like updated for this skis ball. I think, I think King is like a big Dracula head.
0: Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he taught. Oh, in, oh, in the yeah. beginning of, oh, uh,
2: I cannot believe you just said that, Mel. I cannot believe you just called him a Dracula head. Drac
0: head. No, <laughs> love it. I, yeah, because he it. talks about in Salem's Lot, he wanted <laughs> to try and write Dracula for the 20th century. And and I think Tabby said, oh, he'd probably just get hit by a cab if he came back in modern days or something like that. Um, and I think in Dance Maccabi, he, t- he talks about it too. When I, I remember liking the movie, but it's funny, Mac, that you said, oh, I want more of the Night Flyer. Because when I think of the movie, I feel like all I can remember is that last twenty minutes or so with the night flyer. I don't remember much else about it. But I remember when uh, my dad ran. This is not very good. Yeah, like I remember, I remember the bath. My I remember my hot piss scene, uh, my piss mirror scene. But um, <laughs> a but, uh, pint, yeah. a full pint. Love it, full, full pint of blood. A blood is it red or yellow? Yeah, the end uh. of the
2: movie. <laughs> the end of the movie works. Because yeah, that's that's probably because that's the best scene in the story as well, in my opinion. But like, you know, the
0: investigative stuff is not as yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean the, the movie, and this isn't a review about the movie, but movie is basically just a lot of like hopping around hotel rooms and d's just like inner monologue, and you're just like, oh god, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get something here, you know, like let's move. I remember, uh, but um, oh, sorry, I'm yeah, mic no, I just wanted to mention that this uh, there is some King's Dominion in here that I thought was of note. Oh, yeah. And that Dee's has also appeared in another King novel called The Dead Zone. Uh, it's a brief appearance, but I like that, that use of the character in another short story. I always like when they do that. Yeah. And also the inside view tabloid as in like a bunch of different King properties, mm-hmm. like Desperation, Insomnia, The Wastelands, Bag of Bones. Needful things, Dr. Sleep, Elevation. Like that, that tabloid pops up a lot, which is really fun. Um, and also the great mention of Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. So we know this takes place uh, in, the, in our world. And the, uh, the beam of the penguin. <laughs> beam of the
0: bat. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what, what were you when saying? I was going to say, my dad, my dad ran this movie uh, when I was a kid. And he hated it, and I, don't, I, don't, I didn't watch it at the time. But he, I remember he was describing the vampire in the movie, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, he's like, you know, how Dracula usually has a mouthful of fangs. This vampire just has one big long tooth. It's so stupid. Like he could, he was so, he like was, he just hated the fact that the Night Flyer vampire in the movie, which I I think looks pretty cool overall. But he does, he has yeah. this like one giant tooth that comes out of his mouth that looks very funny. And uh, yeah, so for a long time before I read the story, I just re- remember thinking about this vampire with a with a, a big tooth.
2: <laughs> well Snaggle you know tooth. what dan i i like big big tooth ah. people but what i like more are the 10 o'clock people <laughs> and that's our number six story <laughs> I, <laughs> thought be, I thought it was gonna be 10 o'clock people
0: chattery teeth next <laughs> i thought that's what you're setting, you're setting up but you're like nope. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh i'll use the i'll use the same transition for chattery teeth uh <laughs> the 10 o'clock people wow this uh, this was a middling one for me. I, I felt like it started so strong. I felt like the first like page. I was just like, what is going on? I love that you're just like immediately thrown into this weird situation. But then it just kind of, for me, it just kind of becomes like samey. I don't know. Like it, it gets so caught up in this other much larger story that I'm just not as interested in as as the initial uh the just like the first page when you, when you just don't know what's going on and and i, I think with the short stories with, with king i think less is always more in terms of like the villains or the monster of the piece like i don't want to really know like give me bogeman you know like i don't want to know if it's <laughs> real or not <laughs> I, <laughs> give me bogeman or give me death <laughs> like i just don't want to know it, you know and, and like so i thought it started off really strong and i w- i was all about it I like the idea that again uh there's some some dark tower stuff going on here where these things could be the kantoy from the dark tower which I really like um but <sighs> yeah uh it was just it was a middling story for me I had it at 13 um but uh what what about what about y'all anybody strongly love this one where where, where did y'all have this one
3: Oh I had it 6 for
1: 6 so. 6 for oh. 6
3: Yeah. I mean, I I like, like you said, it started off really fast paced. And a part of me was thinking, and if you can have me put myself in a position of like, what would I do in this situation? Like when he has to go back into work, my face is very expressive. I don't know if I could have been able to like, (laughs) get away. (laughs) Like they would have figured it out because my face would have been like twitching or doing something that I could not contain. So that was like a constant thought. But like, as you said, it kind of, the thought in my head was just like, after a minute, that escalated quickly. Because then suddenly, like, there's all this stuff going on, and like you said, there's more... It's a greater conspiracy than we even thought, which was fine, but then it just kind of... I don't want to say de-escalated in a way, but it just kind of lost its momentum for me, and and then we're just on the run, and I kind of lost interest and kind of petered out. Like, I honestly don't remember how it ends.
0: <laughs> well, it is weird, because the, it, it almost feels like the first chapter of a longer work or something. Cause it kind of ends. They have this one scuffle with them in the basement with the bat people. And then it's kind mm-hmm. of like, Oh, we're going to, they're like preparing to do a greater battle. Right. And then it just kind of, kind of ends. And like, but I don't know. I had a, I had a number, uh, number nine, because like you said, I was with it for a lot of it. Although it did kind of feel like a ripoff of they live yeah. a little bit to me. I don't know if anyone else felt that the John Carpenter movie. Oh, oh
2: totally. Yeah.
0: And like, but I, I kind of didn't well, mind you know that, yeah. what it-
2: but it was—it felt to me like more of like a envision of the Biosnatchers esque kind of thing going on mm. at one point. Mm. Um, just how they're kind of banding together and then like they're slowly taking over the world. And only, but this is the one thing that I had—I I wrote down in, in my my little misery section because I still like to adhere to the the categories as I read these short <laughs> stories. Uh, but I wrote you're such, that you're such a the taxonomist. idea, <laughs> <laughs> the idea that. Uh, "Quote unquote mid smokers are the only ones who can see Batman. Yeah, it's fucking that. weird and dumb. Okay. <laughs> I think Everyone it's so stupid. I'm <laughs> right now. I mean, it's, like, it's like it's like oh well well only great. if you're only if you're trying Whoa, to quit that. but can't really quit is like what <laughs> is the thing <laughs> that I'm like like wait uh, we're, I'm we're, like we're, so the only people that, that. can see the Batman the only people that can see the Batman is is, is Mike." <laughs> Come on, give me a break here. No, that's
1: that's such a cool, it- this story was number two for me, and my first note is in all caps. Now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: it's such a weirdly specific thing, it's and and it's I don't so buy bad. that. If you're, if you're, let, let me, hold on, I'll let, you, I'll let you go on into your whole thing, because uh, I know you'll tear me down in two seconds, yeah. and I not right. have anything to say after it. But I feel like it's such a weirdly specific thing and I think that people that, are, that can't decide if they want to sm- smoke or not are not going to start the revolution and save the world, That's you know true. what I mean? Like, I, would not trust I don't that. know, I just, I just didn't buy it. Mel, do it, no. do it, do <laughs> it, do it, right do it. Tear me down.
1: <laughs> I love this story. It's so sick and memorable. <laughs> I love, I you know, I've never seen They Live, but I do know, I, I know the conceit. And mm. I, I get also like, I mean, I was thinking of like mm. anamorphs, anything where like something mm. evil is moving unseen and kind of occupying the bodies of, People without being discovered. I love the Batman. I love the cultish vibe of the group. How they like covet power, but they're still utterly speechless and monstrous underneath. And this story is so concerned with class in a way that I think is actually a little bit complicated. Like you got the simplicity of like, yeah, there's this grotesque head above an expensive like executive suit, and that's that's the surface level, right? But like, I love the conceit of a certain level of smoking addiction resulting in a subculture that completely transcends class, which is what King says in his notes. He's like this. Smoke breaks cut through class and race barriers. It creates a sociological phenomenon. You've got the janitor out there smoking with, you know, the high-ranking superiors of the bank. And it's very Mm -hmm. king. Like, this is the personification of people who have fucked up, but not irredeemably. They're trying to be better. They're in this very special mid-zone, and they're being tasked all of a sudden with a supernatural high-stakes mission. They're like his quintessential folk heroes, and the hope comes from how they risk it all for each other to share their secret, even though they know it could be, like, they're undoing within seconds. I thought Pearson's relationship with Duke is like pretty affecting, if brief. And I really like how it sort of wraps up a whole novel's worth of events. I like the ending, how it's just like, you know, and then they have to, he has to give up his whole life. He leaves his wife and child behind. Um, I just really love, he sees the vice president on TV and he's a bat person and it's like they're everywhere. I just really liked the, yeah. all of the class stuff that was interwoven throughout it and it, it it rang very like true in, in times such as these um mm, and to I, me i thought king was at his best here kind of using his obsessions and channeling them in a way that that was very effective for me i've always loved this story
2: i hear you mel i think <laughs> that if you watched they live you would be like oh this really isn't original at all and this is pretty much the same exact thing except not that entertaining. I think it. I, I, I. They live's fun on a group watch, but I don't think that's one of my. I mean, least favorite Carpenter films. I do like, but I, but it really is that movie. Even the even the, the class idea and just like how they're like all the homeless and the, I, I don't know. I it, it just when it started going when it started turning into that story, I was like, been there, done that. Like, and then it was just a lot of that, and I was just not not into it.
1: How do the people in They Live get the glasses or whatever they use? Like how do they start seeing the bad guys I
2: can't e- I honestly can't even remember. I think the
1: smoking thing is really inspired. but it is it
2: is a thing where like you know when they give the uh when the glasses when when people start actually seeing all this all this stuff for real like there are like politicians that are you know have the have the, the skeleton alien thing sure, or whatever sure but and, that's a free market and, so idea so it's like, very should... it is very much the same idea but um but I think the beginning, or just the idea of like the the tumors bursting open on these these things' mm-hmm. heads and stuff, and but then there's a, there's also a part where he kind of alludes to the fact that maybe they're not Batman, and that it's just what our minds will allow us to see, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a little bit like it, I guess. Um, but I was like, ah, eh, just commit. They're Loman. <laughs> they're they're, 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 they're the not Loman. They're their own uh, thing. Get out, is out is, of the uh, tower. This is a Dark Tower Get story, guys. Tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mel, if it's a Dark Tower story, I'll give it some more some more stars, you know. Don't do me any oh, favors, God. Mac. Yeah, I can love it end. all on my own. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. if...
0: I'm trying. It's been it's been a while since I've seen They Live, and I feel like They Live is getting. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mac. Isn't They Live the class divide? It's a little bit the opposite of this story with the class thing. Because in They Live, isn't it like all the people fighting against the creatures tend to be from working or lower class, and then like all the creatures are are more of the bureaucracy and the upper class. Whereas with this, it's kind of more of a yeah, mixture, but that's I the think. same thing. Okay, I, 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 well, it's been a minute. No, since I've but seen the, but
2: like, a lot of the a lot of the alien people are just like everyday people. they have just kind of infiltrated yeah. society so much, but they are absolutely like taking over and and you know are are seated in power. I think like the either the vice president or, Dude, or president is one of the things or something like that. Do you, you guys know? think? Because I, I, I think um,
0: that a lot. I mean, I could be wrong because I'm I'm not a smoker, but I feel like a lot less people smoke nowadays than when the story Mm -hmm. was written. Probably. I'm just guessing. Do you think there still is that culture of like the midday smoker or or the the 10 o'clock people, whatever you want to call it. Like, I wonder if,
1: yeah, I think it's like (coughs) restaurant culture. has It Mm -hmm. Uh, It depends on your occupation. A lot of the time. I was going to
3: say they, I feel like it's now more than ever, less of a uh, leniency for giving those smoke breaks. Like before it was, yeah, everyone pretty much smoked. So it was almost accepted that there are smoke breaks. Now it's like, a smoke break was something you have to kind of fight for, or like kind of sneak out on or take mm-hmm. in the middle between a certain break. And there was an interesting part, I think he says, where the, the, the smokers will basically be like, by 2020, they'll be the way of the dodo. So it was kind of like, was he... This idea that people aren't smoking as much in the future? I don't know, I used to smoke, and that's why it made me wonder, I'm like, is it that, like, how would I have seen this in process? Like, if I was fully... If I was someone who used to smoke, but doesn't smoke any longer, would I have like glimpses or images? If I was someone who was like, in the middle of like totally quitting, but had just stopped smoking, would I be able to see these people? Like I kind of had some questions about how this kind of worked with like the nicotine chemical balance in your system and who was able to, and also how deeply ingrained were these fat people in the society Were like kids, could kids be them? Would it be adults? Like how is it just bureaucracy or like uh, bosses and like the government? Or is it like the janitor? So that's what my curiosities were that didn't get answered. And that's why it wasn't as high for
1: me. Well, you we know that they want, the, they're all about power. I, I took it to mean that they were mostly in, in high status positions. No janitors, no janitors are Batman. But the, I feel like this story is about grassroots organizing. <laughs> like this story is about grassroots organizing by imperfect people. It's very inspiring. <laughs>
2: I no, see. I like that. No, no janitors are Batman. They aren't. Um, I, I think that this was a fun discussion. Uh, I think Batman I have clearly won. There's no more smoking, uh, a lot less smoking now. I think that they're, they probably are taking over. Um, number five, <laughs> no transition for this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Oh, no, no. Let me go back here. You know what? Guess what keeps the smokers out? God. The rain. <laughs> We're moving to number five. Rainy season. Oh, okay. I'm so mad that this Rainy is higher than the ten y'all. o'clock
1: people. I don't I'm so mad. Yeah. I
2: think that this does exactly what it's trying to do. Uh in a way that is short and sweet. And I dug it. It was number it was my number ten and it's clocking in it number five. I think the frogs are real scary. <laughs> the, 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 need, the needle, the needle mouth. I just like page four twenty six. It says John getting his toes bit by the needle mouthed toad, then kicking the wall, breaking his toes, and the frog was. It's great. I think there's just a lot of great little, little disgusting moments in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a weird uh, conceit. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I, I was kind of into it.
3: <laughs> so it was. I had two uh different stories that were like uh head and neck and neck for number one and number two spot and this is one of them uh because of like this idea of being amassed by something and it's just so overwhelming like on its own one toad is innocuous you can stomp on it you can hit it whatever but like the fact that it's just so overwhelming and like i have a fear you guys remember the movie uh was it willard
4: oh
0: yeah, yeah rats
3: this idea mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. like, something so small being so dangerous and the fact that there's so many of them is overwhelming and basically you're there's nothing you can do about it. You can't, they can squeeze through every part. They And then they're also vicious and biting your arms off or your fingers off, your toes off, and, like, just kind of smothering and biting you to death. So that, for me, was, like, this terror that I personally have. Like, if frogs or rats decided to, like, just, like, revolt and kill us all, like, they would have no <laughs> issue, I feel like.
2: So, I love frogs favorite. or rats. Frogs I mean, I have, rats.
3: yeah. Frogs, I think they're. <laughs> mm, or was it toads? Maybe it's toads that I actually don't like as much. But there was one particular one. Well, well part.
2: these are toads, yeah, yeah. These are
3: toads in
1: the story. Yeah. Well, they're like, they're so. creatures. They're toad-like, I guess. <laughs> but they're not really toads. They're
2: toad to- toady frog creatures. I have to say, though, mouth.
3: my favorite part, which was also my most disgusting part, and like my pound cake was this. This line that he used to describe uh, the day after, when the like the toads basically melt into the oh, ground, I know what he you're described gonna... it as a white cloudy schmeg that looked like human semen. Uh,
2: schmeg, <laughs> yeah, <got> yeah. That,
3: <laughs> that yeah. Schmeg is that
2: schmeg in the cemetery? <laughs> um, I
3: I died, and the dog farting in agreement for most things. That was his like form of communication because it makes me think of my dad. <laughs> Wait, wait sorry dad
0: <laughs> wait like oh you like your dad farting or or your dad talking the, the, to dogs th- through farts the
3: the farting part. Oh, nice. <laughs> i don't know if he's communicated with dogs but we did have a dog that farted a lot so they, maybe they did
2: that's <laughs> oh, beautiful that was my pancake section <laughs> it's
3: so beautiful
2: <laughs> dan where did you have this one
0: i was a big fan of this one uh i had this at number four um I like the frogs. The frogs are scary. They, uh, no, no I, I actually did. All right, so
2: we're, we're simple. We're simple. We're folksy. I just want some scary no, frogs I'm to the ghost. scare me. Wait, <laughs> I think, too, and it's it's
0: funny because he uses this device in, uh, you know, they got a hell of a band. It's like the couple getting lost. But I think because, I don't know, maybe because of the la- – I mean, the characters are pretty milquetoast, but I think because of the lack of grossness uh, surrounding them, I was really able to just – Latch on to the central monster of the story, which was these these frogs, and uh, uh, you know, I thought it was like the final scene of Magnolia, but from hell. Uh, let's just put it that way. <laughs> it did remind me of that. <laughs> no, it was cool. No, and uh, and Mel, you, it it was. Un- I liked it too because it, there was, I I thought it was giving me the setup of oh they were going to fight their way out of this or they were going to it was going to lead to some bigger thing, but I really appreciated how it was just the thing happens they fail they get eaten we find out it was the sacrificial thing to keep the town going uh b- bada big bada boom uh, that's my kind of uh <laughs> that's my kind of cake story <laughs> once again man i just i, I like mel. the nasty stories yeah but what, what about you mel um, i had a 15 yeah, mel, what, i just don't at? care
1: about this story gross toads same day every year
0: the, the, the ritual
1: <laughs> cabin in the woods vibe yeah, but, but, like for, it's but mel, forgettable at the end of the day I, I, I...
2: I think what I drew from it was that the toads were like the middle class and I mean that, you can make fun uh, of my analysis <laughs> until the toads come home Mac the
1: fact of the matter is it, the 10 o'clock people were robbed
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's still pretty I, high
2: I can respect that I can I, respect that Yeah, I can respect it I think that the rainy season I, for me it was just like this is what I want in a short story book just like a simple story. I don't want to have to think too much, you know. I'm I'm not a very smart human being, and I just want to hear. I, I just, <laughs> just want a to, uh, these 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 little mouth toads. I just want the frogs uh, you know, to spite some people, and, and yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. I want the that, town to be, gonna be on my gravestone. To
0: go away. <laughs> I, I, I'm not very smart. I, I just want the toads. Come
2: on! <laughs> I just want the toads.
1: Well, you can have the toads. Uh,
2: i've i've got the toads the toads have clocked in at number five uh i don't think there's any much <laughs> much more to talk about with rainy season does anyone have any closing you know why there's not much more to talk
1: about with rainy season <laughs>
4: simple, i have to story. say this mel i
3: have to say this it was read by lisa or Yearly smith so imagine lisa simpson reading this story <laughs> oh my to you
2: God.
0: Yeah, they can't
2: do it. oh it's even better
3: yeah yeah see it just raised the
1: level
0: I mean I think and I think too, hey look, ten o'clock people is number six. That's pretty high, right it's still, I think. And and rainy season It's an high. insult
1: that it is below many of the ones look, that we're about to talk hey, about. <laughs> try
0: try having to defend my pretty pony at what, number twenty or well. Yeah, I would never do that, those. Dan, for reasons enumerated in the last episode. <laughs> True, Touche, touche.
2: Well, uh, you know, we've we've all we've all had our fun in the rainy season. Um but you know who didn't have fun? The children. The little children. Number four suffer the little children um this was originally i believe supposed to be a night shift but the editor opted to cut this thing it would make and they put gray matter in it and they put gray matter in its place i mean they're kind of similar like a
0: little bit a little similar i think gray matter in, in this one
2: yeah i like the I think I like the, I like the mention of Juniper Hill. I, I just, I like the idea of the teacher just like, again, for me, it's just like the, is it, or is it not really happening? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that's really interesting to me. And and whenever that pops up, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of all in. Uh, I just like the idea of, you know, that we just aren't really sure if she's really seeing this and uh, it reminded me of like frailty. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- y- y'all ever see that well, movie? Yeah. And 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 just the idea of like, oh, like if this is really happening, then you need to kill all these children. But if it's not happening, like you, just you are you <laughs> are the the, mon- the biggest monster. <laughs> it's just like it's it's a creepy. It's creepy to be on that that um, on that edge, trying to figure that out. And uh, yeah, this I I really dug this. I thought it was really creepy. When she's just in a corner of her eye, she thinks she sees, like, you know, these kids' faces changing. Um, just, you know, creeped me out. What can I say? Uh, creepy kids, kids. are scary. Can still be creepy in the short stories.
1: kids. There are a lot um, of us now. This is a, great, is a great line. Would you like to see me change? Yeah, that would, no. Know, okay, so oh, as someone who's a yeah.
3: former teacher, this creeped me out. Because, like there are times when kids will turn on you <laughs> and like say creepy shit to you, and you're the <laughs> only one there, and you can't talk to someone else about it because they won't believe you that this child said that, but they have said some messed up stuff. Uh, I had this actually pretty high. This was my other combined for number one two spot for the very reason that uh, was Mac talked about where it's like you have, I don't cr- touch trust kids, they're shifty anyway (laughs) to have them and then when i remember watching like when i was a kid children of the corn and just like one of the the horror motifs that i also terrify me are just like kids going crazy and killing you or like being possessed by something and murdering you because they're tiny so you feel bad for like kicking them or attacking them back but like they're trying to kill you and again that idea of like is your mind going or is this real and you can't really be sure. And it's like, if I don't do something, how terrible will this be? And granted, I did not like Miss Sidley. She got what she deserved in the sense of going to jail later or to the psych, was it a psych asylum later, mental institution? She goes to Juniper
2: Hill. With the old yeah, Juniper house. Hill from It. Yeah. yeah, the old nut house. Yeah, the old nuthatch. I kind
3: of was hoping the kids were going to eat her or something. So I was a little disappointed that she didn't get like eaten, but... Because that's where I thought they were going, like, the way they described the kids' faces and how it would be, like, stretched out and pulled. I was expecting them to, like, en- their mouths
1: to enlarge and, like, eat her or something like that. It, no, she just gets surrounded by, quote, cataclysmically retarded children. <laughs> just like, <laughs> God, King, Ouch. what are you doing? <laughs>
2: oh,
3: that was hurt. That was
2: and hurt. that's Stephen King. This is a All Stephen right. King podcast. and uh...
1: Good night, everyone. <laughs> I thought yeah. this was number twelve um, for me. It was just right, smack dab in the middle. I wrote largely dumb, right but middle. classic King. <laughs> like <laughs> like I, I do think, though, you guys yeah, you are know, hitting on like
4: there's...
2: classic King, and uh, that's where we're gonna put it, classic King dash Mel. <laughs> there's <laughs> a this, there's a real this a real
1: dread in the conceit of like you know kids being alien creatures, and I do think the dialogue that they that yeah. they say is like pretty freaky. And I if I had been a teacher and I'm reading the story, I think it would have probably done me in a little bit more the notes say he says in his notes that this story has no moral value whatsoever <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and i think i agree do you think they cut it because she shoots a bunch of children in it like oh from initially from Night Shift, and, do
4: you mean, i don't yeah. know
0: it, i mean Night Shift's pretty well, dark maybe in its own right i don't know yeah, i, was I mean say, uh, if they swapped out with gray matter i was gonna say oh maybe they only won one Kind of alien-ish story, but but I mean, shift has got a bunch of alien stories in it, so it could have been that. I
2: know. I think that they just wanted. I think Bill Thompson, who was the editor, just wanted to see a, an alien eat a cat.
4: You know, <laughs> and I think it, he yeah. was like, "Yeah, I, mean, I don't
2: know that it's kids, but I, I want to see that gray matter eat that cat." <laughs> um, I really love the ending of this story, uh, where Buddy Jenkins is. It says uh, in the end he was hardly able to take his eyes off them because he, he was starting to doubt whether or not they really there were, were no. these creatures. And I, and, and, or just the idea of like, you know, the face changing and the, the, the <sighs> mouth opening, you see all the, the real children are still there inside. Oh yeah. That's that creepy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is creepy as hell. It was just like a really original like idea, I think. And um, it, it's, it, it's short it doesn't you know leaves you wanting more to an extent you know and I, I was like okay cool we don't you don't have to go into the history of this teachers you know or the 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 you know the neighbors that she's racist towards or whatever you know what i mean like you don't need to like add all this other like filler stuff you know i i i just think it's kind of focused and and does what it needs to do and that's why i had it at number 3 Whoa.
0: Man. Yeah, yeah i had it at number 13 for yeah similar reasons that mel said i i wasn't Super rest. I mean, also, too, because it, the whole like, oh, aliens walking among us, even if the, it's kind of ambiguous whether or not these ones actually exist, it felt very similar to 10 o'clock people, which I liked a lot better. Um, and, and something like body snatchers and they live and whatever else. So, I mean, I, I didn't hate this story by any means. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't go that extra mile. That's something like My Pretty Pony does, you know, so. In a <laughs> Number 13 for me.
3: Would it persuade you if you knew Whoopi Goldberg was the voice for this one? <laughs> wow. Really?
0: Actually, yes. Yeah. Mother Abigail Actually, herself.
2: For real. Mother Abigail. No joke.
3: I'm really curious how he got people to read each story and like, did they get to decide or did he choose? I or... know.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, truth be, no, I mean, honestly, Whoopi Goldberg reading this, yes, that would probably uh, knock it up a few notches for me. It's good. It's good. Yeah, no, he does, yeah, King. I mean, I'm hey, King has always kept powerful sure. company, I think. You got Whoopi, you got Tim Curry. Had Whoopi Goldberg done any, is she any King-related properties uh, before The Stand? Probably not. I don't think so, right? I don't
4: think so.
2: I don't think so. I think this is it. Because some of the people, like, uh, like Shirley yeah. Smith,
0: here are like, oh, okay, he directed her in, in Maximum Overdrive, and Tim Curry was an It, um, Tabitha King he's married to, <laughs> David Morris is a, a big king uh, associate but yeah i wonder yeah whoopie goldberg it what's the joe hit?
3: morton did 10 o'clock
0: people oh i love joe oh joe morton's awesome
2: see that would have been good yeah i, I yeah. would have yeah he's Is joe morton ever oh, that would have done it
1: for you mac that would have <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i think it would have been uh i don't remember where i had that story but it would have been maybe maybe one step up
0: has Joe Morton done a... Joe
2: Morton. Joe Morton gets another star. <laughs> Joe, I feel
3: like I feel like he's done King before. I think he was. I think he played in um in it. He was like the older version of,
0: uh... of Mike. No, no, I think of Mike. I think yeah. that was no, Tim, no. or think that was else? Tim Reed, I think was um the older version of Mike. Was the older yeah, the guy from the dad yeah. from uh, Sister Sister and uh, right. That, that's what Tim Reed's in. Oh yeah, you're right. But oh, wait, Joe. Right. Mo- I feel like Joe Morton's had to. Have, he he seems have. like an, Joe
2: Morton's big. Tipping of the hat was Terminator Two. Terminator Two is excellent at that. Um, I and Speed, I was think think the, the mm-hmm. first thing I saw him in uh, uh, Blues Brothers.
0: Brothers Two Thousand. Uh, <laughs> arguably <the laughs> and he's done a ton
2: of. Uh, he's just done a ton of stuff. Yeah, which, I when just I of
0: when I type in, in when I type in Joe Morton Stephen King, all that comes up is yeah, it's the audio book of nightmares and dreamscapes i feel like he mm. he's like the perfect yeah. actor for a Stephen king movie though he, i feel like, right. like i would have seen
2: him oh, oh totally yeah.
0: he's great i love joe Morton.
2: i want to see him like in a darabont joint
0: yeah <laughs> Do, like, uh, i think that that would be
4: he just has that
0: real he solid. has that groundedness that i think lends itself well to to king movies i'm just looking at his old uh yeah. his old wikipedia and seeing wait no he was in That's... at people oh, wait he was in really... at people it says who oh. was he in that people? In? I think it was the teacher. Maybe. No, it isn't David Schwimmer. Let's see. At people. Uh, um, 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 um,
2: the principal maybe.
0: I thought David Schwimmer. Dan Rickler. Who is Dan Rickler in that people? Oh, you're right. Yeah. Who is Dan Rickler in in uh, App I don't know. Wow, this the, 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 is bad that we don't know. I know. I know. I feel like yeah, we're know. gonna I have was, to do. It. We're I gonna have, have to go I back s- and
2: maybe he is the detective. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're all off to go. Watch uh, At People I tonight. I think he's uh, a. I think he's a detective.
0: Maybe in that people. Let's see.
2: Um That's very possible.
0: Right. I um, well, uh, while kids keep going. Dan, yeah. While you,
2: yeah. while you Sorry, research I that, uh share. we're uh we're gonna go to there's a little uh gas station ahead, there's a little shop. And I I'm, I'm kinda itching for some <clears throat> some gag gifts and we're moving on to number three, chattery teeth.
1: There's a little shop. He's on the Christopher Walk. <laughs>
2: there's a little <laughs> It's a little shop. Yeah. It's got chattery teeth. <laughs> you know, I, I really didn't want to like this one, but man, it just won me over. I have the same I opinion. Just, I, yeah. I, I think it was like for me and I kind of like a little room two three seven here, but towards the end I kind of was like, Is this like a sister story to Battleground where it was like these chattery teeth are from the same like toy company that are like actually like alive? And so, I, and then I, when I once I got that into my head, I just, I, I really kind of enjoyed just the craziness of this weird idea. Um, and th- when these things chomp down on, on the penis <laughs> and the balls, yeah.
1: <laughs> on the penis and the balls, and the balls,
0: oh,
2: oh, <laughs> just like, oh, just, oh, well, get, kill me. He goes kill to me. great
0: lengths, and I, and I think this is a huge testament to the story. He goes to great lengths to describe how these are actually metal and how they have a tongue and like because I kept and thinking how of big the pl- they are. Yeah, like I kept thinking of like the plastic, mm. you know, yeah, yeah uh, teeth with the feet that you would get the novelty shop. But I think he actually does a really good job of describing how dangerous they are. Um, and even though they're in a weird way, kind of the hero of the novel and they help this guy, I kept thinking they were going to turn on him. And I kind of loved that they Same. didn't. That made th- that made them cute yeah. in a way, like like it was a dog protecting him.
1: <laughs> I like, we all want to pair. yeah I like the teeth I like that they're agents of justice for the, for this like boomer who's like out on the road like young people today okay. <laughs> and I, I will say though this is the I think the third fat Myra that we will encounter <laughs> in Kings Dominion. <Tomato>. there's <laughs> yeah. this Myra there's Eddie's wife Myra the hog and there's
0: and I was there, thinking I think about the wife, Myra the Hog today. Huh? The, that term. The wife in,
1: um, in Word Processor of the Gods. That's the one where he like rewrites his life, right? Like in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think yeah, she's yeah. a fat Myra. Is a Myra what is like? But she gets skinny in
3: this one when he comes back years later. I'm just like what happened to King and some woman named Myra.
2: That is really weird. I I I want to go back and look at Word Processor. And if that's Myra, then we've got to keep we've got to keep track of this going forward. Myra. Did he date anyone before um,
0: Tabitha? I mean, oh, I'm man. sure he did. Yeah. I mean, they they started dating pretty oh, young.
2: King was a ladies' man. King was dating them all. <laughs> but I think this is tabby, one in which yeah, the sure. gimmick Ooh. was
1: most successful for me. I had it at eight, which isn't that high, but yeah. like given that it was kind of a gimmick only story, and I thought I thought he did it with with a plum, and it's such a weird. It's like one of those things that that you'd hear that you someone would write as a parody of a of a Stephen King story, but he's like, no, 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 I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like this he idea. He commits. <laughs>
0: Wait, well, yeah, because that's the joke, right? It was on, like, Family Guide. So I was like, oh, th- this story is about a lamp, but it's haunted. Or it's about yeah, this, haunted. Yeah, a ha- couple gets attacked like- by <laughs> a lamp, ah! Yeah, and this is, like, Chatter 2. But you're no, he actually makes them scary. And I think, too, King's... Yeah. I like this in The Mangler, but a lot of people don't think it's silly. He does that thing in the end of The Mangler where the machine from the laundry press or whatever... It's actually, it actually escapes from the shop and like stalks this guy to his house. And some people think that's really silly. I think as Randall's like, "Are oh, we supposed to like picture this big laundry machine like walking down the street?" But I don't know. There is some, there is something about really freaky to me about supposedly inanimate, animate objects yeah. traveling a long distance. That's really freaky to me. And I think, and I think this is another example of that. We're like, "Oh no, this 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 thing like found its way through the desert all the way like to." disposed of this body then got all the way back to the shop i think that that's yeah it's very disturbing to me so yeah it really hit home
2: yeah i i think there's a moment in the story and i i didn't write this down but it's like coming to my head like where like he sees the chattery teeth like on the hill Mm -hmm. dragging the body off yeah yeah and i just that that's kind of like when you have that little moment after it's out of sight where you're like did that really happen like you're just grappling with reality (laughs) um and then uh yeah i just like I just, yeah, the, just liked it. I just dug it. Before people yell um, at me... I, I did have a couple of... I just want to say
1: the wife is not named Myra in WordPress to serve the gods. It's <laughs> Lena. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's, there's, only
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. there's only two. There's
4: only two Myra. The conspiracy <laughs> is <for> over.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up for sure. Yeah, that was going to be... You know people would have gotten really vocal about that on the pod. Um, I think that uh, I had a couple of little connections to King that he <laughs> aren't really connections. Page one eighty is the the coy dog wolf is pronounced woof, and I thought maybe it's actually wolf from talisman. Oh uh, <laughs> and uh, Mac, on page can you only enjoy things when they're connected to other things? <laughs> <laughs> Mac loves the, he's the he loves the <laughs> beam. He lo- I I my, I'm so trained to look out for this king's dominion, you know. Uh, page two hundred one. He picked up the teeth. And it felt like a human jawbone that had tried to speak to his hand. And if we all remember in the dark tower, the gunslinger carries around a jawbone that speaks to him. Uh, Not actually speaks to him, but speaks to him in another way. Uh, So I thought that those were just two fun little uh, add-ins there for Chattery Teeth at number three. Um, Wait, that was fun. I'd like to see a sequel to Chattery Teeth. I'm back on my Myra Uh, train. Chattery. No, no, There's a Myra Myra in
1: Needful Things. Is like a oh, Presley yeah. fan who
0: who sucks. Oh wow! So oh, those are, those vindication, sex fantasies. Oh boy, those yes. are yeah.
2: Well, I don't know about y'all, but in this quarantine, I've been getting a lot of home delivery. That's number two. <laughs> Our number two story is home delivery, uh, which was my number two.
1: It's my number eight. Uh, my number six.
2: I I really I really dig it. Oh, man. It just felt like, a, it felt like a George Romero, like Night of the Living yeah. Dead-esque kind of thing. Uh, like the story, just like kind of how all-encompassing it is. You know, it reminds me of like the beginning of Dawn of the Dead where they're just kind of hopping all over the country of the news channel and stuff and you're seeing all these things, all this stuff happening. Um, the way that it unfolds, I think, is really interesting. I, in such short period of time, I, I'm invested in all these little characters. And that's a win for me. Um, Let's see. Every so everybody had it or like what? Well, Dan, what did you sort of have it at? Six, I seven, had it at number eight.
1: Oh yeah, we're all we're all in the same.
2: Yeah, I yeah. right. yeah, was sale. number eight okay. as well. So finally, when we get to the number two story, we all kind of agree <laughs> that this should be in the top ten. <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought it was uh, like quaintly charming after a bit of a rocky start. I think he like. He actually pulls off the allegory in this one. and It's because he lets character win out over the conceit here, as you say, Mac. But the conceit yes. is actually strong, too. I think it's really cool mm-hmm. how the body parts keep moving. That, like, differentiates these zombies a little bit. Um, I think th- I like the woman. She's, like, the main character is, like, used to being abused and ordered around by men, but she has to confront that sort of undying cycle in its most undead form and it's fitting that it's actually the man that she loved and not her father, but she recognizes it's not actually the man that she loved, it's like a fucking zombie. And I think in a rare example of 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 King kind of maybe anticipating a blind spot, like like I could gripe about the essentialism here, like, you know, the fact that a baby gives this woman purpose or the the men of the island are tasked with like keeping her safe but i think the story actually provides its own defense against that gripe because it talks about how isolated the island is and how like feminist pamphlets like wouldn't mean shit to them and mm-hmm. like that's probably just true i i don't know how to feel about the like event horizon footage like stuck in the middle of it um like the worms from space oh yeah the, with the yeah
2: the, yeah the that's star wormwood but uh, it's like uh, fine whatever i <laughs> Yeah, for me, it just, like, it, I think it, even jumping to that, because it, it, when it all came back, I was like, okay, if, if we had just, all of a sudden, the, the rest of this thing was just on the spaceship or whatever, like, I would have been like, okay, what, 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 what are you doing? But, uh, but yeah, I like the idea of Star Wormwood orbiting Earth. It kind of, that reminded me a bit of Trucks, just, like, this weird event that is causing this thing, uh, these, these things to come alive. And, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was pretty, some, Pretty good, uh, gruesome stuff going on with the, uh, the creatures crawling out of the graves, tearing off their fingers in the process. And um, I like when the 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 the, yeah, the, the husband attacks uh, the home. I think that's really mm-hmm. creepy. Um, also, uh, because you know Mel made a point of this, I I really only love this story because there's a couple connections to <coughs> to other King properties. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm kidding. But there are. There's a mention of the number nineteen a couple times, which I thought was fun. Maddie was 19 when her father died and also uh, George Sullivan died while Bowling Lane 19. Mm-hmm. So that was always just a fun little, um, uh, little, little, little sweet treat for the, the King readers out there. Uh, mm. Anybody else on uh, number two? Is that, is this going to be the one we talk about the the, the, least, the least as we I've, get to yeah. number one?
3: Yeah, I got, I liked it. I think I had eight for it and it just kind of, the fact that, like, Maddie starts out, I kind of was yelling at the book as I was reading it of, like, her and her mother at the point where they just, like, ask, what did they do now that the husband's dead or that the father was dead? And I, and I like that the progression of Maddie, like, you don't see it, it's just it's kind of like you see her, and then the story jumps to, like, the zombie apocalypse happening. And then you come back to her when this guy comes to like check in on her quote unquote and make sure that she's doing okay because she's this poor woman who couldn't really, you know, stand up for herself or make decisions alone with this baby. She's probably dead already or we just need to protect her. And There's a point I think that they also talk about how like we give the women guns to shoot, but we're not going to give them the most powerful things because they're not going to be out here defending. And I was like, if it was a zombie apocalypse, I feel like everyone who is able should be out, you know, and be useful. That's just how I would plan my little <laughs> camp, but I I think it was in, it was nice that you came back to Maddie and she's she has this like little secret that basically she her husband came back and she did what she needed to do to protect herself and her her child. Yeah. Granted, it shouldn't be that that's the only reason she's living. But I was hoping that maybe that she in the her fighting her dead husband, it wasn't just about her uh just defending her baby, but her also like taking the idea of like. I have a life. I am a person who can think and defend myself. So yeah. that's why I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Totally.
1: I said I had this at six, but it's actually three for me. This is number three.
2: Ooh. Oh, nice. oh yeah. 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 I think the only reason I yeah, had this at uh, eight,
0: and I, yeah, I really enjoyed the story for everything you guys are outlining. The only reason I it's at eight and not a little bit higher is, is because of the jumping around a little bit, both with the timeline and with the, the Wormwood stuff. But, yeah, overall, I mean, I, I, I still think this is a, a really good one
1: i like how they anticipate like, the zombie they're like we have to set up around the grave like yeah yeah you do like yeah. that's just practical
2: yeah and it's like it's a little small town mentality like they're just like they they just they were waiting for like a moment to to, to do something like this you know like Don't. um it's like well i like that uh line uncle frank says and he says uh <laughs> I ain't got time to listen to you play fiddly fuck on the mouth. <laughs> that's
0: a very kingy phrase. I kind of lie. That's like, that's a little bit of Brandon folks. I love like, like the weird. Like... And there's
2: a, there's a little, um, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark ending, like a little last line where it says Frank had meant to stay dead. And that was just what he did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Home delivery coming in hot at number two. Uh, I, it, you know, uh, what can I say? I love zombies. Uh, clearly King does as well. Um, but you know what King also loves? <laughs> Vampires. And we've talked about <laughs> one that actually, <laughs> that, that apparently could be the same vampire from the night flyer. That's Popsy at number one, our number one Namers dreamscape story. Popsy. What did
1: everyone rank this?
2: This was my number four this
1: was four for me too
0: three Seven. three for me yeah
1: wow oh, so none of us wow. so three that's was the highest crazy. ranking it got but it ended up at the top of the and list
2: number one. <laughs> i think everyone's number one and two and three were probably just like all over the yeah. place yeah yeah that's what that's what's this has been a really interesting short story collection and obviously we'll talk about that with our final thoughts but popsy short, sweet, scary, uh fun this this reminded me of like fright night horror, mm-hmm. like like vampire stuff, and I dig that. um I just love like the unassumingness of like this kid not this kid being a vampire and just not even realizing it, you know, um, let's see what, what 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 do I got here?
1: Mac the King's notes basically confirm that it's the same vampire. Mm-hmm. He wants him to be the same uh, vampire yes. as the Nightflyer. Yes. Which doesn't make sense to me because um, if the Night Flyer can fly himself, why does he need the airplane?
0: Because <laughs> he likes you to know, travel he's, in he's, style. Yeah. He's got to sleep, he's, though. He's into the, the style maybe, of it. Maybe yeah. the sleeping is, is, is um, part of it. Right? Maybe. I like
2: that I'm coming to the, the Nightflyer's aid, even though I didn't like the story. It's
0: like a mobile home,
3: but in the air.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it.
2: I also think the Nightflyer kind of... And maybe this is just how they paint him in the movie, but does he just always look like crazy, creepy, freakishly with the tooth and everything?
0: Yeah, I don't don't think... That's what I like about him. I don't think he ever looks like a debonair um, Transylvanian prince. Yeah. The
3: way they describe him
2: in this, he's like an older... He
3: seems like a grandpa.
2: Right, right. So maybe this is like pre-grandpa getting into the nasty... <laughs> yeah. That can go all sorts of ways. All right. Oh, but, you know, boy. I, I uh,
0: it is funny in this one how we, and I, I like this about it, it, especially with being, it's right after Nightflyer in the collection, right? I
1: think. Yeah. Which is I, so uh, weird.
0: I like how we, I like how we get like a little bit of, we humanize the vampire just a little bit by showing he has like a little weird, vampire grandson. So <laughs> all right, something I was wondering about. And I was thinking this because uh, I'm watching the Hotel Transylvania movies starring Adam <laughs> Sandler right now. Oh God! So, <laughs> Thanks for working that in. No, to really. the number one story. So Dra- Dracula in that movie, him and his, you know, him and his wife have a kid, and it's a vamp. Like, if the kid is born as a vampire, and Popsy in this has, and now now this doesn't necessarily have to be his biological grandson. It could have been a near dark situation where they kind of took in a kid or something. But I guess I kept wondering, like, oh, well, so is is this a thing where vampires reproduce and have a family, or is this just a kid that Popsy made into a vampire at some point? It doesn't really matter, but I was just curious.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And and just the idea that, is this kid going to turn out and look like gross old night flyer yeah moves? like is the, like what what is the in, is in in hotel
0: transylvania the like the <laughs> baby grows up <out>, like <laughs> she ages in... by
1: hotel transylvania rule.
0: <laughs> she ages into a teenager so like the vampires age in hotel transylvania albeit um slowly i think so in this one what yeah. if we
3: remember anne rice yeah her vampires don't grow old exactly so, you know who
1: knows same thing yeah, in near dark, dark too. like claudia
0: yeah claudia and then oh. in, uh mm-hmm. near and near dark there's homer so yeah, just so no. know. I mean, it doesn't bear on my enjoyment of the story. I was just just curious. I was wondering about the exact yeah exactly. Was this kid a familiar or was he a vampire or uh, uh, or what? Um, bottom line is, I I think it. I once again similar to Nightflyer. We have another scumbag at the center, and a scumbag in a much darker way, of course. Um, but that's why. But once again, I think the I think King is setting that up, so this guy can get his comeuppance, which he does, of course, when he meets uh, and, and also. Just the way they describe Popsy and this is super freaky, it being this dark shape and then being this like giant bat that comes across it. Um mm. and something and also too the kid the the entire time the kid just going, Oh my, my popsy will be here, my popsy will be here and you think it's this kind of nonsensical just kid being a kid thing and then The fact that he's super super scary. So yeah, just it's a nasty little story and uh I'm a nasty little guy. So
4: (laughs) I loved it. I'm a nasty little sink pisser and I loved it. I'm a a nasty little boy who loves pissing. boy yeah, I loved it. it. I thought
1: that like we got you know, there's a bit of there's a lot of missteps here. We got a lot of dumb Sheridan's backstory, like we can actually, we can get these details without actually getting like stupid flashbacks that justify his link in the pedophilia chain. Like, I, you know, we get it. He's, he's you gross. Yeah. But I will say that so much of this story like is redeemed and, and made good for me by its last line. And which I will just, just, just read for a, real quick. Um, he, Popsy is about to cut his throat with his thumbnail. Um, his throat was cut with that nail before he realized what was happening. And the last things he saw before his sight dimmed to black were the kid cupping his hands to catch the flow the way Sheridan himself had cupped his hands under the backyard faucet for a drink on a hot summer day when he was a kid, and Popsy stroking the boy's hair gently with grandfatherly love. And it's so good. That's such a great... That's great yeah. The That's monsters great, are yeah. performing a human gesture that transports the human monster back to childhood and humanity. Like, it's great.
0: Yeah. It totally that, makes yeah, the whole story. Great. Clap, clap.
2: That's our number one story, Popsy. Now, I want to go around really quickly. Uh, just just quick final thoughts. Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Did it live up to the hype if you haven't read it? And if you have read it, how was it the second, third time around? Mel.
1: Okay. Um, had read it before. Remember liking it as a child because I think those gimmicks really caught me and hooked me good. This time around, it was really a schlep. I think, I think part of that is because the stories by and large the you know i would say the six stories i really enjoyed are my top six uh, going up from the six sneakers the night flyer popsy home delivery the 10 o'clock people and head down keep your keep your voices to yourselves Um, and other than that i mean that's you know that's only like a quarter of the stories and they're kind of spread out and i didn't enjoy most of the other ones really and I think this really was representing a turning point for me personally with King. I think I'm getting really fed up with him. And I think listeners will glean that when they listen to these episodes. Like I was really on a soapbox for a lot of it. And this is so indicative to me. This collection was so indicative of so many of his faults that even the ones that I really, really loved um, couldn't really rescue the collection and, and make it a really enjoyable or positive experience. I mean, in isolation, they could. I liked those stories. Um, But I feel like my relationship with King has gotten progressively complicated as I get older and try to think about context more. And um, I I sort of, after reading this, was like, I need a fucking break from this dude. Like, it was not fun to read a lot of these stories in a way that wasn't just married to non-enjoyment, but married to actual kind of like being upset. And so are we giving noses here, Mac? Is that what's happening? Or?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I would give it like one and a half, two, I guess. Bright red Pennywise clown noses. I think, I know this is maybe an unpopular opinion. I think Skeleton Crew is a stronger collection. Um, I haven't read all of his collections, so I can't really rank them completely, um, but I really enjoyed some stories. I hope our fans can take solace in that. But my overall impression was kind of like, man, I need a breather.
2: Wow. I, I, no, I I I think that that's perfectly valid. I think that there is a lot of, as you get into the latter King, and I think a lot of people felt this way for a while. You know, they think they kind of fell out of it. And then King kind of had a little bit of a, a resurgence with some latter books. So I'm really interested in getting into these because I haven't read a lot of these uh, you know, '90s plus books. Um, so I'm very interested to see how the rest of these turn out. Um, but Mel, if you if you if you need to take a break, I I totally understand <laughs> that after reading this book. Uh, yeah, for me, I would probably give this two bright red Pennywise clown noses because. I do feel like the skeleton Cruise is a stronger story. I think that there are stronger stories in that book. Maybe not as many, but I don't think that this holds really a candle to that. And, and I think we're going to be doing an episode soon about, you know, uh, uh, ranking the short story books up to this point. So I don't want to go too deep into that, but uh yeah i this was a, this was a a a, sh- a, a shmeg to, for me to get through uh i was uh i was i kind of decided that i was going to read a story every day uh and then kind of do my notes on it and just kind of plug through this and that even got difficult to do because i just felt like the stories just weren't it was just very middling to me this whole this whole um short story collection um and when you, when you hold it up to, to other things, like Night Shift and whatnot, it's just, it just pales in comparison, in my opinion. Uh, there are some, there's some little pops of, uh, of goodness in here, like Popsy, obviously. And, um, <laughs> and, and hey, look, the popular favorite, Crouch End. Love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, this is going to be a, two, a two-noser for me. Aisha?
3: I would say, uh, <clears throat> for me, this has been an interesting romp through king and i think before i've been mostly like reading one book i think at a time i haven't been on any i wasn't on skeleton crew and i definitely haven't finished that and i think i read four past midnight yeah i was on that one but overall this like mel said this was a trial to kind of get through for me and even with like the parts that i liked i was kind of there was always this in the back of my head like but here's all of these things that just is it me that's seeing this, or am I being like too sensitive about King and trying to like enjoy the content or the content for what it is outside of all the little things that kind of annoyed me or frustrated me? Uh, with that in mind, and the fact that like I did like some of the stories and enjoyed it and was able to separate at least for a time like my annoyance or frustration, I would say one and a half to
2: Two red Pennywise noses. Okay, two one
1: and is, a being half. is being extra. Yeah, I'm I'm with
2: Aisha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan.
0: Oh man, I feel like I feel like I'm going to seem like such a king shill when I give my rating. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give this three and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. Um, Whoa. Yeah, like I, guess, right. I mean, I, I I yeah, there were more stories. I mean, once again, I. I I do think the book is kind of big and dumb, um, for, and it, for, but for me, three and a half, no, no, let's big listen. and dumb.
4: But for me, I mean, for me, it
0: really functions as kind of a, like an overblown collection of like easy comic stories, right? Like tales from the crypt or vault of horror or something like that. Like, I think it's King just leaning into some of his nastiest instincts, which I actually tend to enjoy a little bit more than some of the, the stabs at profanity. Um, uh, My pretty pony accepted. Um,
1: Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging. Yeah.
0: That. <laughs> no. I do. Yeah. I do. I do think the nasty stories are, are the ones I like better in this. Um, I think if you if if it was like the size of Night Shift, if so, if it was like if it was um, half as long or maybe half as many stories, you'd have a really good good collection in this. So yeah, there was enough good of this in, in this for me to enjoy it. It's funny the thing about Skeleton Crew because I still would rank it above Skeleton Crew. That being said, when I think of like my the top three my top three stories in Skeleton Crew, none of the ones in Nightmares and Dreamscapes even compare to it at all. Um, and I almost I think too if King had maybe just been a little bit more consistent in the tone of his stories. Not that you're obligated to do that as a as a short story writer, but I think in this case, everything did feel so scattershot to me. So I I could see if it had a little bit more unity and maybe some of the the grosser not gross or like nasty but gross or like problematic stuff taken out I can even see this going up to a four uh, or four and a half for me so yeah I'm gonna stick to my three and a half uh boy white pennywise clown noses
2: oh wow well you you heard it here folks the, the, <laughs> I think that those I think those penny nose penny, <laughs> nose. penny nose clown reds uh, speak oh, no, you had the for, water for, for, from for from the end
1: of the whole mess.
2: <laughs> I I know that my, my actually wrote my entire outro. Introduce like yourself. That. Uh, no, but <laughs> I think the noses truly speak to the quality and uh, of this book, and then also. Uh, just the opinions all over this, this pod. I think that we all come at these things from a totally different angle. And I think that's half the fun of these episodes is getting to discuss and argue with each other about what we do and don't like about Stephen King stories. So I want to thank the three co-hosts on this uh, episode. Thanks for barreling through nightmares and dreamscapes. And I want to say thanks again to our constant listeners for continuing to check out the Losers Club week to week, and those Patreon patrons that keep us alive and well. Please be sure to spread the word about the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. That helps us greatly, and we really do appreciate it. This has been our coverage on the short story collection, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. But don't fret, as we're not out of the marescapes yet, (laughs) as um, uh, eventually we will be covering... The couple of film adaptations of some of the stories from this book um, that'll probably be coming to you in august however our next episode our next two episodes i believe are going to be patreon exclusive apps and one is a new type of episode we're calling the crate and someone has asked us to cover john carpenter's the thing i'm very excited to be doing that and then we're going to be doing the best short stories so far. So maybe you'll see and hear some of the other losers talk about some of these stories from Nightmares and Dreamscape's on that app, if uh, if they make the cut. That's, uh, that's and then we have a, a really cool from
1: all the collections up to Nightmares and Dreamscape's. Uh,
2: uh, yes, <laughs> yes, up until Nightmare, and then also uh, we're going to be we have a King panel. Uh, that's going to be uh, available to everyone so that's also something really cool on the way I don't know the details on that but uh, you know if you if you follow us on the socials you will get all the details soon I'm sure so thanks so much we uh, uh, oh if you want to get a jump a head start on the next book that we're going to be covering that's going to be 1994's insomnia mm-hmm. uh, so I don't believe I'm on that episode but I definitely want to read it because I because Mel, I know it has something to do with the Dark Tower. <laughs> uh, and So we look forward to next time. But until then,
1: long, long days, days and, and pleasant, 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 pleasant nights.
2: Nice. Nice. Bye, everybody. I got some
4: hot friends. God, I got some hot friends.